Hello, my name is Morgan Gray, and welcome back to the Afrocentric Podcast. Hey, K-Camp, I got an idea for you. Here we go. Yeah, nigga, I'm cheating on you, so don't you call me. Sit back up all your bad, nigga, you phony. Three minutes FaceTime on your laptop. Say I'm gon' rob you and open up a shop. Ha 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 ha. She think I'm cheating on him. 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 She think I'm messing around. She think I'm cheating on him. She think I'm messing around. We don't funk with racism. We don't funk with people who don't support the LGBTQ plus community. And baby, we damn sure don't funk with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen, baby. You see this case. When they go low, I go low up. You don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white. I got two pistols and a pit bull. Me. That's all I need. It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. You think Harriet Tubman was walking around with a fucking nice shiny fucking dress on with a fucking crown on her head when she was taking slaves to freedom? And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. And we are back with the Afrocentric Podcast. The title of this episode is Black Men Don't Cheat, featuring the alderman, Marvin Jones. How are you doing this afternoon, Marvin? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to have you in Starville and Mississippi State. Uh, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because we're going to prove to the world that black men are honorable and they don't cheat and, and participate in infidelity and switch. Okay, well, I appreciate it. I'm trying to help lead lead you down the road, the right path. Do you, Are you really excited, or do you feel like you're going to have to defend every black man that has ever existed? Well, well, I feel excited, but at the same time, I'm going to be somewhat truthful. But at, on the flip side, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to defend the black man because, you know, like I said, we the lowest person on the totem pole. In, in some instances. Oh, this, this, that is a hard thing to do. Yeah. I'm so excited. I feel like you are the perfect person to have this conversation just because you do have such a big heart for black men and boys. And I feel like you of all people can be such a great example to the community. So what, what do you have to say to that? Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, you know, like uh, for, for black men and black boys coming up, of course, uh, black men, we are the leaders. And so, um, you know, the black women always have been on the forefront um, for black men and black boys, but, but it's, it's our time to, uh, to go ahead and take our place in life 
and and lead the black boys in the direction they're supposed to go in yes actually it is so well put so we're gonna head we're gonna jump into this conversation hopefully uh the people listening will enjoy this as much as we have enjoyed planning this conversation for them do you plan on voting do you live in the state of mississippi do you have questions surrounding voting that you just don't know who to ask um I'll be happy to answer those questions for you. I am a member of Fair Count. I am an organizer, and I'm so excited to talk to you guys about Fair Count as a nonpartisan 501c3 anchored in Georgia, and they are super active throughout the Deep South and the nation. So, Fair, as a member of Fair Count, we work on every iteration of civic engagement, the census, redistricting, and voting. And as we know, it is the same communities being undercounted in the census that are underrepresented in the polls and who often see their electoral power torn apart in redistricting. At Fair Count, we believe that democracy is stronger when it's equitable and all eligible voters have fair access. We use data-driven, creative, and bold approaches and partner with community members to build long-term power in those communities that have been undercounted and underrepresented. Now, I'm here to tell you guys to be a prepared voter. Being a prepared voter is being a protected voter. Make sure to check your voter registration today. The last day to register to vote for the 2023 general election is October 10th. Make sure that you are visiting Y'all Vote Mississippi, the website, um, to check out your voter registration. Make sure that you are having your ID because the ID is needed for election day voting. If you have any questions about voter ID, make sure you call 1-866-MS-VOTER. And another resource you can pull from is the MSSOS office. Marvin, so we're going to start with a game that I like to call Fight, Mary Kill, African-American Edition. So for those who have never participated or heard this game, this game, Fight, Mary Kill, is a spinoff of the classic game, Fuck, Mary Kill. And essentially, I'm going to give you three household names. You're going to have to decide whether you're going to fight them, whether you're going to marry them, or whether or not you're going to kill them, okay? Okay. You ready? Yeah, I guess so. No, All right. I've never heard of this game, but I... Yeah, this came from off the dome. Oh, uh, well, okay. I guess. <laughs> Let's go. All right, Marvin. Fight, Mary Kill. Jada Pickett. Whoopi Goldberg and Cicely Tyson. <laughs> uh, I I married uh uh I married Cicely Tyson. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, why you married Cicely Tyson? Well, she seemed like a well, of course she's gone on, but she seemed like she's a great woman. She was uh, strong, yeah, she was powerful woman. Yeah, woman. Exactly, and that's that's exactly what we need. Uh, somebody like Jada Pinker, I had to I might have to kill her. <laughs> You know, just, just uh, off what I've heard, uh, you know, that type of lifestyle uh, in a fantasy world is good, but in reality, it's not. And then, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg, you have to fight her because hey, she seemed like she don't play nothing. She don't play that. She played with them white men. Yeah, well, 
I let her have them. Yeah, I probably did the same lineup you did. Actually, I may have uh, fought Jada Pickett just because I feel like she's also owed her rounds yeah. for um dragging Will Smith through the mud. I just feel like somebody need to teach her lesson. Yeah, poor Will. Oh, that poor baby. We yet praying and fasting, hoping for Will Smith and for the demise of Jada Pickett Smith. Well, yeah. I just want to thank you. For playing the game with me this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I hope this taught you something about yourself and the way you see the world around you. Yeah, well, I do. I see it in a different light now. That's powerful. From my past. That's powerful. Thank you again. Marvin, the first question is, is who was responsible for helping you develop into a black man? Um, that that's an easy question for me. Um for me, it was my grandparents, my grandfather and my grandmother. You know, my grandmother, she never had to work. And she all she did was take care of the household. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in a, I guess, in a demeaning type of way. But my grandfather, he worked from sun up to sundown. He did whatever he had to do to take care of the family. And, um, and so I saw that coming up. And then as I got older, I ran into, uh, well, he's deceased now, my father-in-law. He, um... I saw him doing the same thing for his family. He took care of his family. In fact, he he's one of the, the well, he's actually the first person who encouraged me to go register to vote, and and uh, and I did that and been voting ever since. That's really nice. Um, outside of your grandfather and your father-in-law, were there any black men within the community that you feel like had a stern grasp on how they raised you and like what type of morality and rules did these people put into you? Yeah, um, I mean, there were, there were a lot of men uh, within my community. Of course, I'm living in a small community. Um, I can just give you one good example. Uh, and of course, this guy, he's deceased as well. He was on the sheriff's department. And I can remember vaguely, just uh, uh, me and a couple of guys were walking down the street one summer afternoon, and the sheriff's department uh, was just riding through the neighborhood. And me trying to, I guess, show out in front of the guys, I said, man, what the hell he want? You know, Ooh. and he heard me. Yeah. And I didn't think he heard me, but he stopped that car. Boy, he scared the lights out of me. What that man said to you? <laughs> he said, what did you say? And, and, and I said, I ain't said nothing. He said, I heard you. And then he talked to me. Uh, for about five minutes, and he, you know, he told me, man, he said, I know your, your folks, uh, you know, if they found out you walking around here cursing like this, you know what they'll do to you. And I grew up in an area, in an era where, you know, you got that switch. So, uh, another adult came and, and told your parents and grandparents that you did something wrong, and you're going to get that switch, no question about it. And I think that's so interesting compared to like how black boys and black teenagers are being raised today. Because when you talk about like what what era, what years was your childhood in? Uh, well, I was born in 1971. That was the best decade ever in the 70s and coming up in the 80s. You so funny. Look. Class 89. Shout out. Shout out to 89. Yeah. Best class alive. Um, so like during this time period, you really see like community uplift and community development in the black community. Everybody within the community was responsible for, in so many ways, helping raise, uplift and protect the black children within the community. So like, let's say you went to school and you were showing your black behind, you might go to the bread man and the bread man might give you a whooping and then pass you down. You might walk past your uncle house and he might tear you up and then send you to your granddaddy house. So like you can see how 
sound like during that time period, black people had such a strong grip in the uplifting and the cultivation and the tutelage of like black boys, girls, and, and so on and so forth. So like, I just wanted to hear about your experiences. Yeah, actually, and, and that actually happened to me once. Um, well, it happened a lot, but well, not a lot. Because I, I wasn't, really wasn't a bad kid coming up. But um, I can remember one time um, me and some guys, we had been about 10 years old in the backyard playing basketball, and two of the guys got into it, and everybody got to fighting. So the, 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 the guy, friend whose house we were at, she whooped all of us. And she called our parents. And, and told and, and them. And we got a whooping when we got home. Yeah. Because it was embarrassing to our parents for us to go somewhere else to be acting that way. You know, and, and we don't see that a lot now. Um, you know, it's like um, if you whoop a child, if I whoop your child right now, then, you know, you'll be calling me ready to fight and, you know, taking the child side. Yeah. You know, and, and we need to change that dynamic. And we definitely do. And you can see like this switch from like a, a communal aspect within our community to the gravitation towards an individualistic mindset where black parents only want you to focus on their child. They don't want you to like, you right, know, right. discipline mm-hmm. their child. They want to be able to do it. But then when they get back to their households, they're not doing anything right. about the discipline of their child. Exactly. I don't really want to say. I hope I don't get in trouble for making this statement, but but it's just a point of reality. Some that I've observed uh, is just the fact that um, parents now are pretty much like single parent. Uh, you know, they don't want to discipline their child, but at the same time, uh, they let the children get so far away that when they get older, it's like they lose control. And my thought is the fact that when the male figure is in the house and he's trying to discipline them or trying to show them the right way, that uh, the, the the female parent, you know, have them so spoiled that she don't want you to do anything with them. So eventually the man will be like, well, forget it. Uh, you know, um, if you're going to do it this way, then you, you know, you handle it the way you want to handle it. Then he ends up disappearing and it's too late. But then, uh, you know, mom, she wants the community to come out and save save the world to uh, bring that child back. But it's sometimes it's too, it's too late. late. Yeah, and too late. yeah, and you you hear that too too often. Thug energy, anger. Thug energy is normally anger and pain. That's all it is. I know because I do therapy with them thugs. And once they see I ain't scared of them, then we can have a conversation. And fellas, I want to be clear now. When we go back to take over the community, because we're gonna have to do it, gentlemen. You can't expect the cops to fix this because they started it. But I want to be clear. I know some of us love our children, but some of our children are so far gone that we're going to have to put some of them to sleep in order to take back the neighborhood. Some of y'all don't want to hear that because you don't live in reality. But I'm telling you as a psychologist, I'm not going to be able to psychologize all of them on the corner. Some of them going to sleep for God! question i wanted to ask you what does it take to raise a successful young black man well the one thing uh you got to catch them from birth and both parents have to be on the same same page um you know like uh, my wife and i uh we always told our children um you know if, if mama or daddy tells you one thing don't go ask mama or daddy the opposite of you know what what that answer was so if you, if you want to go outside and play and you got homework and you came to dad and say, hey, uh, can I go outside and play? I'll do my homework later. And I say, no, don't go ask mom. It, 
thinking that she's going to say, yeah, because we're going to communicate. And that's that's the main thing. We had to, uh, the parents had to communicate with each other to also let the child know, hey, we're on the same page. You can't run no, no hula hoop around us because we got this. Our job is to raise you in the right direction that you're supposed to go in. So that when you get old, you won't depart from it. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my next question would be like, you okay, that is idealistic. Uh, We want a nuclear family structure for black families within the black community. But there's so many cases, especially since the 80s and 90s, where we see the rise of single motherhood and... um, women raising black boys and you know oftentimes the colloquium is you know you can't raise a man or you know you need a man or to raise a young boy into a man so what do these young mothers need to do in order to help with their child's progression and development into a young man well actually um the woman especially the black woman uh she's like superman in my um point of view i also have an episode called the black woman is uh versus everybody because the black woman is superman exactly exactly uh i mean it has often and hand clapped to to the to the black woman because like um you know the black woman she still uh needs to do whatever she needs to do to raise a, a young black boy but at the same time um it the statement that a woman can't raise a man is not necessarily true because, um, you know, you do have some women who raise uh, young boys into to onto my fully grown responsible men, but um, you know, sometimes if a woman can't find that that uh, significant other, then she just need to find somebody in that neighborhood that or in that community that that um that she feels like is gonna help. Uh, you know, coach them in the right direction. Those are really good um, answers. Um, before we go into the next question, going back to the original question, who was responsible for helping you to develop into a black man? Like, what were the parting key factors that they installed into you as a young boy that you still remember to this day? <laughs> man, well, I, I can always go back to them whoopings. Um, them whoopers really did that for you. Man, yeah. Uh, Yo, so you telling me your mom, your mom and daddy really ate when they told your behind well, up. Well, actually, let me put it like this here. Um, for me, like uh, uh, my grandparents raised me, but um, um, uh, my my mom she she had me at a young age, and so my grandparents at that time, you know, the grandparents take the kids from the from the, the parents, the natural parents. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and that's what happened to me. Oh, so that's good. It's good you had some good, strong guidance. Yeah, that's nice. Two-thirds of our kids are being raised by the women. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when I say being raised, I'm not saying it needs to be a father. I would like a father in that house. But I know it's not enough of us to go around. We are not even being accountable to the boys in the hood. And we're complaining about the women. I'm ar- I argue with women who are the- making babies yeah, with the irresponsible men that we didn't raise correctly. That's bullshit. All right. That's wimp ass, weak man shit. Nah. Take responsibility for our shit. Stop scapegoating yeah. them. Yeah. Outside of dating preferences and gender identification, what does it mean to be a black man in the black community? Well, in the black community, I'm glad you added that last part on now because in the black community, um, to be a black man in the black community, it, it, you know, it, it means that, that you should be a leader. You should be an example. 
of uh, of everybody, uh, a man, another man, a, a woman, a boy, a girl. You know, like uh, I'm I'm 52, and I actually have people in my community who are much older than me, and they they respect me more. I mean, I wouldn't say more than I respect them because I respect all my elders, but they have so much respect for me. It's like sometimes, you know, instead of them calling me by my first name, they call me Mr. Jones, they give me that respect. And I, and I appreciate it, but at the same time, um, you know, just being in the, in the black community is like, you know, it's like a feeling that, that there's none other. I, I, I feel like it's so many points, like interesting points that you brought up when you were saying that. Like, number one, the first thing that you said was leadership. And I wanted to say that there's a lot of pressure on anybody to be considered a leader, whether you are innately a leader, because I'm innately a leader. And then you have people who are not, and that's not necessarily wrong. It's just that that's not one of their key factors in life. The second thing is like the idea of representation. Like oftentimes when we think about black people, like I always say that as a black person, you represent every single black person from the moment you walk out the house where you have like people who are white, when they step out the house, they only represent themselves. And that again is a lot of pressure to be a black person. Not only do you represent yourself, you represent your family, community, and black men, black people as a whole. So there's so much pressure. Like, what? Why do you think that is? Well, um, well, the thing is, uh, uh, the pressure comes from all points of life, and for black men, it's like, um, you know, we at the bottom of the bucket, and and, and I know you heard that crabs of the bucket, but uh, we are at the bottom of the bucket, and so we we get pulled down by so many different. Um, uh, races, uh, factors, or, or what have you in life, and so um, I mean, it just like like today, for example, uh, I was in the neighborhood, I was in a predominantly white neighborhood, and I didn't have that same strength of feeling that I would have in a black neighborhood, and only only because the fact that I felt like uh, if I made the wrong turn, the white police might pull out. Or somebody might call and see me in the in the neighborhood, and uh, and think that I'm trying to rob or steal. And I'm and mind you, know, I'm, I'm I'm driving in a BMW. You know, perception of I'm a dope boy looking for you know to sell dope or, or whatever in that neighborhood. So with that feeling of, of that leadership or that power that I have in my own neighborhood is not the same and different. going back to the original question when we're talking about what makes a black man a black man like I remember seeing this interview of uh, a group of men just in general regardless of their gender ideology whether they express to be masculine or feminine and they asked the same question and the only person who could really produce an answer was this white evangelical Christian man identified five points that I think make a truly masculine man masculine okay I think point number one is a man who walks with God point number two is a man who stands on principle point number three which is a masculine man is self-sacrificing so someone who is willing to sacrifice for point four the people that he leads a true man is a leader and number five a masculine man is never a coward 
and all of his ideology about what it was to be a man was really rooted in biblical ideology mm-hmm. and he had such a strong stance on what it means to be a man what does a man need to do in order to prove to other people that he is a man so like what is it that really is there a point for black men that constitutes this transition into like young boyhood into black adulthood because for hispanic people they have their um bar mitzvahs or for hispanic women they had a quinceanera um it's like so many things that mark the transition from boyhood to manhood what what are those things for black men well um that, I mean, that's a good question, and, and, and honestly, I never really thought about it, and I, I really can't say that I'm embarrassed not to, to be able to answer that question, so to say, but I think our generation is so far behind, and, and I mean by years, not not by days. Or by not, decades. By, yeah, decades, and, and so we we still trying to, to uh, you know, um, I guess some men, if you, if you don't don't play football or some kind of wrestling or some kind of uh, uh, you know sport that's that's uh, boxing or you know some tough sport then you know you're not considered to be a man uh, in some aspect uh, you know you have musicians you have uh, you know like police officers or you have you know school teachers scientists uh, you know using your brain uh, but to transition from a boy to a man, it kind of goes back to the main subject of uh, not necessarily infidelity because, you know, most people not married at 13 nowadays like they used to be back in the day. But, if you, you know, like if you got the stereotype is that if you got all these different women having sex with all these different women, then you consider to be a man. So that's the kind of like the Passover uh from a subconscious type of way for the black man. But, you know, at the same time, it got to go back to your morals and value, you know, your environment. There's a whole lot of factors that factor in to that. So you won't make that transition to consider yourself as a man. But to be a man is to take responsibility of what you're supposed to take responsibility of. And it goes back to, to your upbringing. You know, if you were reared in the right way of, um, you know, doing things right, especially when it comes to the Bible, comes to uh, having great morals and, and responsibility, then uh, I think that's that transition. There. So outside of being responsible, holding yourself responsible, um, what are some other characteristics? Because I feel like manhood is so much more than that, because if that's the case, I can be a man because I'm real responsible. Well, yeah, well, you're right. Um, um, well, the responsibility of a man is totally different from the responsibility of a woman. And that's just my opinion now, so don't, don't beat me up for it. I'm not. Because, like, um, in, in, from the outside, looking in from a man's point of view, the man generally take care of the outside of the house. Yeah, you know, he going to pay the bills. Yeah, pay the bill, cut the grass, motor, uh, I mean, wash the cars, go out and work. Um, what have in the woman, her job. Well, let me take that back. I hate to use the word job, but her responsibility, responsibility is to take care of the household, and that's that's from take care of herself to the children 
and even her own um, male companion. And and that goes back to what I said about a, a woman, especially a black woman, you know, has all this strength because uh, most times, because there are a lot of times I see my wife, she gets up early in the morning trying to clean up. I'm like, what you cleaning up for? We cleaned up last night, you know, or yesterday or whatever. And so, but it's still something that she sees that the average man won't see. Mm. And, and then, uh, you know, when the kids were coming up, uh, we made sure, well, she made sure. Well, I helped out a lot. That's why I say we. I mean, I did a lot of things. On it. I, I could do everything in the house except cook and do hair. Those are two things I could See do. that? And when I see men do stuff like that, I feel like that makes them more of a man. Like, to be quite frank with you. Like, uh, honestly, when we... That's why I decided to take, like, gender ideology and um, gender identification from out of it. Because, like, I feel like in the black community, if a black man is considered gay, bisexual, transgender, it's like it makes him less of a man. But I have been with so many gay homosexual men that will change attire, change all, pay their bills on time, respectful, and it doesn't make them any less of a man. But we see the these men that are supposed to be so masculine and when we get into tight situations they don't know how to do nothing like imagine being with a nigga and his car break down and he driving in the front and i'm pushing the car in the back because that's how a lot of these niggas think yeah yeah and then that goes back to to what you just said about pushing the car in the man on the inside you know you run out of gas or something like uh there are two things that i hate to see it's like a man in the car while his uh, female companion out pumping the gas. You know, I, now, honestly, I, I can't say what's going on. He, he might have two broken legs where he can't get out. You know what I'm saying? That's understandable. And then another thing I hate to see is the fact that, you know, when um, a, a guy takes his son to the barber shop and when the barber gets ready to cut his hair, he calls home and asks, the wife or the or the baby mama or whatever you want to call her, you know, how you want his hair. I mean, that's your responsibility as a man, you know. Uh, and, and I understand that sometimes you don't want to get his hair cut one way and then you go home and then y'all don't get to arguing about it, you know. Because sometimes men, we, we have, um, I guess, PST, PST, PTSD. PTSD. Yeah, yeah, get thanks. it on out there. Yeah. So we try to avoid those, those arguments. And, um, and so all we want is peace, you know. I get that. I feel like there's, everybody wants peace. Let me not say everybody, but the majority of us. But you just, you're getting, we as a as humanity, as a collective, we're getting to this point where it feels like men are less and less involved, especially with their children. Because you have these fathers that can't tell you what color their children's eyes are. that can't tell you the name of their children's doctors, pediatricians, none of this stuff. And it's like the child come from half of you and half of the mother so again where is that responsibility well uh, that I mean that's a good observation but the thing is like I said going back to we so far back uh, lost in generations or in decades that that we don't even we, either we wasn't taught that or we don't have that naturally instilled in us to even um, you know try to think that way as far as trying to um, you know, see what color your child has are and all that. And, and so, like, like for me, um, uh, you know, growing up, well, my kids growing up, I knew everything. I knew the social security number by heart, white social security number, bank account. I did, 
you know, and, and I guess numbers was like one of my things, but uh, uh, it doesn't make you less of a man to to um, you know hug your child, tell them you love them, and all that. And and so and we need that, you know. Uh, and even even the man, you know, uh, we need that too, and we need to give that too. Uh, not not necessarily, well, not just for the kids, but for for our um, significant other as well. You know, and I think that's an excellent point. I feel like a lot of black men have gotten to this point where everything has to be in exchange for something. Like women will love freely, women will give freely, and then you have black men who are like telling they grown black children the phone work both ways Mm -hmm. you are my father like you need to be the one to be able to love and to give it freely it does not have to be in exchange or something Mm, yeah and that's true uh because i have uh two daughters and of course they they're adults now but you know i still call them and before we hang up i always tell them you know i love them and so you know you never know when that last time you had that that phone call conversation with them or that conversation in person. And so, um, you know, uh, that last time, you know, if you don't get a chance to do it, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that you would have a regret, but, you know, you'd be wishing for that one time back. Most so definitely. take advantage of why you have it now. There's, there's the truth. There's definitely the truth. I see a great man. I'm talking about, I see a man that don't go to the club. Mm-hmm. I see a man that, Really go get the money, bring everything back to his wife, bring everything to do for his children. I see a man that love to spend time with his family. I see a man that I'm not disrespectful. If I don't know you, I won't talk to you. I'm not disrespectful at all. People paint me to be this monster. You can't go poke the bear with an arrow and get mad because he bit you. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Throughout African-American history, there is this reoccurring trend of black men in power like Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King who were accused of infidelity within their marriages. So what are your thoughts on this trend and how has it impacted trust between black men and black women? Well, um, uh, that goes back to uh, to slavery, uh, white oppression and uh, jealousy. you know, I, I can't speak for what happened then because I wasn't there. And only only thing I can do is go off what the history books or whatever tell us about it. But the thing is, like, when you're doing something great, especially doing something great in a community or doing great for your people, there's always going to be somebody out there who's going to try to tear you down or try to tear the message down. And uh, and sad, sad to say is the fact that it be our own people. It do. You know? And so, like, uh, you know, two two things that that um that kills us is jealousy and envy. You know? What's the, do you know the difference between jealousy and envy? Well, well, I mean, well, when when you're jealous of somebody, not necessarily the definition of it, it's just the fact that because you're doing it and you're doing it so well, it's like I feel like, man, I, I should have been doing that, but I'm gonna try to take you down. Uh, so I, you know, create some something a narrative to, yeah, to um, you know, to make you look bad in the eyes of everybody. So that way I can put myself on the front forefront. So jealousy is like wanting to have what you have. 
So I might be jealous of you because you got some cool shades on because you look like a cool dude. But envy is um, being jealous of the person that you are or being jealous of the position you are in. So I might envy you because you are cute and I want to be I want to be a dirty dog. That's me. That's what I want to do. So I, I those that's the difference. And I get that. I think that this conversation is so interesting because Quas kept like black men, especially from like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were some dogs. Like notoriously known, Quiet is kept that black men had side families, these black men, but they always wanted to be the leaders of our communities. So although it might be a black person tearing down another black person in power, I think in so many cases it was done to make them do better because again it goes back to that ideology that like you represent all of us so if you saying that you want everybody to do right then you need to be doing right and then that also leads us to the politics of respectability yeah uh, that i mean that's true uh actually i was thinking about that earlier like back like you said the 30 40 50 60 70 80s um, 90s 2000s well there were so many all right let somebody die right now and you will find out that this person had, this is my brother, this my sister, my cousin, you know, like, man, we didn't know y'all were related. Or if we didn't know, yeah, this my, we got the same dad. Like for me, I'm the only child that my mom had. Now on my daddy's side, you know, they never married, but on my daddy's side, there's about 13 of us. And so <laughs> the running joke in my in my family on my daddy's side is the fact that uh, you don't meet my daddy, don't, don't even speak to him because you end up pregnant. My God. <laughs> But see, I think I think it goes to to uh, I mean, like from what I heard, and he still is. From what I heard, my guy, my dad was like a handsome guy. He had nice cars and you know nice clothes and stuff, and all the ladies be crazy about him. Mm. So I think it kind of goes back to like having that that feeling of man, I feel good, and the white man took that from us during slavery. And so we we it's hard for us to accept one woman to give us that that feeling of gratitude and but we got all these other different women you know coming at us and then we just don't know dude, it's like a kid in a candy store my god so now you got to put in your mindset to say hey i just want one piece of candy i ain't gotta have all this stuff. or you gonna and, end up with a cavity and, that, and that's true that's true that is true <laughs> this is so funny yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Slavery didn't destroy the black family. Do you know that we were still getting married through slavery? Mm -hmm. Jump in a broom? In secret? Mm -hmm. Even under punishment of death? We were married during Reconstruction. We were married during Civil Rights. When do you begin to see the rise of the single-parented black female household? 1970. After they killed Dr. King, the United States government said we must neutralize the black power base. And they determined that the black power base was the black family. It was independent, black, skilled men and women who financed King, financed Mr. Garvey, financed Mr. Muhammad, financed SNCC and CORE, the Freedom Riders in the City Movement. So they said, if we want to crush the black struggle, we got to crush the black family. So guess what they did in 1970? King dies in 68. 
1970, they came into the black communities and de-industrialized our city centers. In 1970, they started shutting down the factories. Remember, up until the 50s and 60s, you didn't need a college degree to get a decent job. Many of us got grandparents who worked in factories their whole life and lived better lives than we're living now with two and three degrees. They could work in their same neighborhood, and everybody worked for the factory. Good retirement, pension, benefits, medical. They started shutting down the factories in 1970, and then they went into the high schools and did what? Started deindustrializing the inner city high schools. Up until 1970, you could graduate from almost any school in New York certified as a plumber, certified as an electrician, certified as a carpenter. Because there's so many things that can be spoken and said about this type of ideology, really, to be quite frank with you. Because these men, I just don't understand how you would want to be a role model and you would expect people to respect you, but you are doing what is immoral, especially so. Because when do we get to a point where we stop blaming the white man for what he did and then we start telling the truth about what black men do? Because now we're looking modernly like right now at young black men and young black boys and it seems like you can't even really tell them when they're doing anything wrong because they expect to be treated or put on a pedestal and to be seen as a leader yeah i think sometimes as leaders leaders don't necessarily um make themselves feel or act like leaders i think the community uh expect them or give them that title and in their mindset is like, uh, well, I'm gonna say in my in our mindset because I'm uh, a community leader being an audience, but um, it's like I feel like I'm a regular person. I'm you are a regular Joe. Blow. Technically, you yeah, are. Yeah, I am a regular person. I'm just a person who representing my particular ward in my city. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the same time, the community. Um, has so much of this expectation on you and then then also they has have this so this glow for you that that they expect you to be great because um they look up to you in the position that you are that you're in uh, they uh it, it's just for lack of a better word the community makes the leadership in you uh and, you saying I, I it's too much it. pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of, well, not really pressure. It sounds like it. I, I really can't put it in the right words. It's just a feeling that you have. Uh, it's like the community say, hey, you the leader. And so, well, that's what it is. The, co the community see you as a leader, so they see you as, as perfect. You know, you have to walk this straight and narrow, perfect life. But it depends on, you know, uh, uh, I guess the group of, of people that you with, but some people want you to keep it real. They want you to uh, be able to hang out on the corner with them, to have a regular conversation with them, to be a real person. But then at the same time, you do, you do have people who expect, that's all they think that you do is just straight politics. Well, outside of politics, we could even focus on a realm like religion, where you have so many of these like black pastors and ministers who are always exposed for infidelity. You got the John Grays of the world. You got Eddie Long. 
you got all types of these black men who are also in these high positions of power who have repeatedly um, participated in infidelity. And I just feel like it's almost this long range of like reoccurring instances within our community because there's so many statistics, not even just with infidelity, but infidelity outside of the race or marrying outside of the race. And you got so many instances of this because black men have the highest um, rating of marrying outside of the race. And then once they do that, then they start putting black men, black women down. And you can even see this in the 1930s with um, W.E.B. Du Bois. You know, he wrote a short story called The Comet. And have you ever heard of that? It's fine. So essentially, um, in his writing, the comet is this post world where they're up in New York and a comet hits the city of New York and everybody is presumably dead and he only finds one person and it's a white woman. And this is during periods where, you know, black men and white women were not supposed to be interracially dating. So he is, um, Number one, he is romanticizing this idea. He's writing about it publicly, but even the character in the book is willing to go against everything that they believe so that he can marry this white woman. And it's fantasized. I just feel like there's a repeated history of this. Even with Martin Luther King, the white he was spending, he was engaged to a white woman before he even met his wife and loved her with all her heart. And then when they actually did get married, there's rumors on rumors of him being like cheater, being a cheater throughout their whole marriage. So I just, I feel like if they were the leaders, they set the standard and they normalized infidelity within our communities. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, is the fact that um, it goes back to what I said that, um, that they, in their mindset, they just, reg they, they want to be regular people, but they just happen to be in a position of leadership or a position of power. But um, but also the pressure of, uh, I call it celebrityism. Mm -hmm. It's like um, uh, when you look at, uh, I, I don't even want to use his name. I'll finish that R. Kelly, but. Please um, don't. Yeah, you leave that with it. Well, when you look at, well, I, don't use I'm, R. Kelly. Come well, on. I just say R. Kelly. Come and on, we'll say Robert. We'll take, we'll take away the all the, the terrible yeah, things he did. Thing. We'll just say all the women. Well, I mean, he could have any woman that he wanted, you know, because of his you know, being he was a celebrity, rich, and all that. And so, like, um, just imagine you. Well, as a man, just imagine you getting all these different beautiful women from all walks of life coming at you, and the pressure of of falling for that temptation. And, and it goes back to kind of like the Bible. Uh, don't quote me on word for word, but it basically says that something like the the, the spirit wants to do right, but the flesh is weak. Uh-huh, And so uh -huh. if, you fall, if you fall for the weakness of, of the flesh, then it goes back to what we said. You choosing all these pieces of candy, and you'll end up with a cabinet. So uh, um, just having that uh, celebrity uh, feeling like Martin Luther King, for example, being put on know, a pedestal, put on a pedestal, and then now uh, he he being drugged through the mud, and and, and because you know he ate, ate too many pieces of candy when he should have just had one. Okay, so then we have the case of Frederick Douglass. So. 
Frederick Douglass' first wife was a black woman, right? They got married. She was the reason why he was freed from slavery. She got him a sailor suit. She helped him free himself, and he was straight. So this woman helped him write his novels, print literature, did everything up until the moment she died. The moment that she died, she passed away illiterate. So this is Frederick Douglass who taught himself how to read. One of the few black people that were able to read. He was an icon, a legend, especially in his time and in our time. And then as soon as his wife died, he went behind and he married a white woman. So I just feel like it really shows how black men then and now truly feel about black women. Because imagine you owe someone a debt of gratitude because if it was not for her, you would still be an enslaved person. And you were given the ability to be able to read because your mistress, your old lady, felt like you were smart enough to be taught how to read. So now you have this knowledge that many black people don't. Instead of sharing this with your wife, you keep her illiterate. You keep her down and you choose not to educate her and teach her. And then as soon as she passes away, you're Go marry a white woman who is just as intelligent as you. And so it just really shows you how historically black men have treated black women. So the hypocrisy of black men never fails to amuse me. Uh, if some black men see a black woman in a happy, nurturing relationship with a white man, the first thing they're going to go do is invoke the specter of slavery. You know, how can you be with him? Oh, they were our slave masters, bedwinch mammy, all that other bullshit. Uh, conveniently forgetting that there were plenty of ex-slave men who actually married white women. So abolitionists like Frederick Douglass and uh, Equiano here made a fortune preaching about the evils of slavery and use it to support their white wives. So what's really popping? And then there were others like uh, Charles Ball here who wrote about his sexual relationships with white women in his slave narrative. So again, what's happening here? Reminds me of another black leader, Eldridge Cleaver, who said, black women reminded him of slavery and white women were freedom. These men are sick. <laughs> so what I need Black women to realize is that a lot of these men have a psychosis, period. They do not want to see Black women being treated well by anyone, and they have all the excuses in the world as to why you should be suffering. Do not fall for this foolishness. Get out while you can and put yourself first. I just really want to reiterate this for maximum effect. Frederick Douglass, a man who was enslaved by white people, chose to marry a white woman and treat her very well, exceptionally well, after having married a black woman and been in a marriage with her for decades, treating her like utter trash, cheating on her left, right, and center, milking her for labor, which was never reciprocated, working her to death, never teaching her how to read. And this man was a former slave. There is nothing you can do to prove your worthiness to someone who has already decided something else is better. And I don't care if these men want to blame slavery for brainwashing men like this. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why these men mistreat black women. What matters is the fact that they do. That's it. There are no more words like these men are sick.
And apparently this brainwashing must be so good because it never wears off. That was in the 1860s and Eldridge Cleaver was spouting a identical idea and practicing identical treatment in the 1960s. Like, wow, this must have been a hell of a brainwashing because it's been <laughs> nigh on two centuries and it, it seems as fresh as it was yesterday. Save yourselves. Just just run. Yeah, um... What, I mean, that's true, and shame on you, Frederick. Fuck you, Fred. But, uh, I mean, the black woman is so powerful, and they'll go to bat for us in any instance. You know, they'll do anything for us, they'll sacrifice everything for us. And, yes, we, as black men, we, we turn around and stab them right in the back. But then, on the flip side, the black woman still be there for us. And, and that's what makes y'all so unique and powerful. Uh, I don't even think black women doing it no more. Well, Because uh, ain't that what Kanye said? Because when he get on, he leave your ass for a white girl. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, well, I'm putting it like this for me. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily prejudiced or racist, you know, in the sense of hatred, you mm-hmm. know. But, like, I can never see myself with a white woman. And, and I know that you're not supposed to say never. But, you know, I've been a lot of places across the world. And, you know, of course, yes, I've seen some white women, some, some white women that, you delectable, know, that, delightful, yeah, yeah, delivered. Exactly. But I just can't see myself, you know, tasting that piece of cake. My God. My God. You know? mm, so, mm, mm, mm. Uh, while Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois is famous for his theories on black culture, he also wrote fiction. In his famous speculative fiction story, The Comet, which has been said to father Afrofuturism, A comet hits Earth, and it seems that a black man and a white girl, Jim and Julia, are the only people left alive. Uh, He protects her, helps her search for her fiancé. They can't find him. Then they climb into bed and are just about to, quote, father a new race when her father and a slew of other white men, including her fiancé, come in. Turns out only New York was destroyed when the comet hit and they were outside the city. Anyhow, they're about to lynch Jim when Julia convinces them not to. They offer him some money and then he wanders to the street where his black wife finds him at the end. Uh, Note, he was never looking for her at all. So, one of the most prolific figures in black culture is super comfortable imagining a future without black women as a distant second to be taken and enjoyed when white women are not available. They tell on themselves every time. What did this black man living in post-slavery Jim Crow America imagine as the future? Not equality, not even the white people being destroyed or taken away so the black people could live in peace and harmony. This is science fiction. He could have imagined literally any type of future he wanted. And what did he imagine? A black working class man with sexual access to a white girl, but not just any white girl. She's rich and unmarried, so being depicted as a virgin, she has access to all the things he didn't have before the world ended. A nice brownstone, a car, and he's living in her house and driving her car. Sounds familiar. Anyway, she's naive and does anything he says. And let me tell you, he didn't waste one minute mourning his family or his wife before hopping in bed with Julia. He calls her the mighty mother of all men to come and the bride of life. How is a white woman going to be the mother of all men when that's literally genetically what black women are? People are like, why all the focus on historical figures? It's just one bad man, two bad men, three bad men. No. This is important because these are men whose work is the blueprint for the black community. Their work is still required reading today if you want a degree in African American studies, black literature, anything. So how they treated black women 
and how they mentally wanted to erase us is very important. This is what your community is based on. Your activism, your black literary theory, all of it is about standing on your back. And the idea that you are expendable has been built into the framework. You cannot make that better. You can't improve it. Put yourself first, women. Get away from this toxicity. And just to add a bit more context, he was one of the founders of the NAACP, and he talks about uh, in his biography how the first time he knew he was black was on Valentine's Day when he tried to give a valentine to a little white girl, and she rejected it, and how sad and formative that was. So it's just the same story over and over again, women. Wake up. What are the morals, values, and expectations upheld by black men in our community? What do other black men expect other black men to do? Well, um, for the ones that quote unquote are on top, we expect the ones that quote unquote on bottom, on the bottom to um, to bring themselves up to to where we think they should be. And when I say we, you can see the average guy who probably washing cars. So instead of him just washing cars for, you know, a few dollars and getting a quarter, you know, we we want them to to own their own car wash. But then the ones that's on the bottom, you know, quote unquote on the bottom, they expect the ones that quote unquote on the top to help bring them up. And that's where you get the ones who uh, currently ask for a job or, or, um, or, um, you know, standing on the corners is asking for, you know, a few dollars here and there. But they looking for that lucky break. It's almost like playing a lottery. You know, instead of them uh, going to actually find a job, they looking for somebody to come get them. Because it's kind of like uh, going back to, and I, I know that I know that's not really the question that you asked, but it's kind of like back in the day, uh, you used to have a person who had a truck and they looked for somebody to work and just jump on the back of the truck and go to work. Mm -hmm. But now, the truck is not coming no more, you know, uh, but the guys are still hanging on the corners. Oh. And so... You know, before you uh, continue with your thought, so this is really reminding me of a conversation that Jay-Z had um, on this podcast. He was talking about how you, um, one of his cousins came up and asked him for like $40,000, a very small amount of money for a billionaire. And he was talking about how he would not give it to him. Then, like He would not give him no handouts or anything. And you know, it really caused a uh, out uh, uproar within the black community or the manosphere just because forty thousand dollars to a billionaire is nothing so do you really feel like especially when you're talking about that crab in the bucket mentality do you really feel like black men hinder the progress of other black men because they won't help each other out well i well yes and no but but more so no and the reason why is because um like when you look at like you said the forty thousand for a billionaire Flipping back down uh, to somebody who's making twenty thousand or thirty thousand a year, and somebody asking them for ten dollars or twenty dollars, you know uh, that they're gonna go smoke it or drink it up, you know. And so uh, instead of them taking the twenty or thirty dollars, going and investing in something profitable for themselves, uplift themselves, then um, uh, the hindrance of it is not because you don't want to help. It's the fact that. That um, you feel like that they're not gonna, you know, do what they need to do to, to try to pull themselves up. I feel like there's just a moral contradiction though, because who are you to tell somebody else what to do with the money that you gave them? 
Well, I mean, that's true, but at the same time, I mean, well, you know, God gonna bless you if, if you give it in front of hard. Else, yeah. If you give it in front of hard and, and, and not thinking think nothing else about it. But I think the frustration comes in that it's the fact that as somebody who's on top, you want to see them, the person who's on the bottom, uh, move up. And, and that's one of the frustrating things about it for myself is I love helping people, you know. Like, uh, I see a lot of guys on the corner, and 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 I kind of knock myself over the head because I really haven't found any resources. But it's kind of hard to find resources in the area where I live at. A place is unknown, you know, across the world unless uh, some terrible some happened. terrible happen. And so, like, uh, so I, I I feel like my hands are tied behind my back because, because I can't help, you know. Uh, and uh, and I want to. I really want. I really want to see our guys come off those corners, you know, and find their talents and, and build their own businesses, you know. There's this old colloquium that says if you uh, give a man a fish, he'll be fed for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, he'll be fed for a lifetime. And it kind of, it ties into this conversation because, yeah, if you give a man $20 and he smoke it up or drink it up or go to the casino and spend it, then that's $20 right on wasted. But I personally, do you feel like there are any spaces where black men are really taking the time out to just educate young people? Like, like just teaching people stuff because even the young men that I see that are doing anything positive like that, you still have to pay for it. Yeah, um, uh, and that's 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 true. Uh, I I really don't see a lot of uh, a outside lot of, of being, sports yeah, specifically. Outside, yeah, uh, it being taught because um, like um, going back to myself in my mind, uh, my mindset is is to go get all those guys. We get a room. We talk. Hey, what's going on with you? We all right now. We're a family. We our job, our mission is to move forward in a positive direction. We want to try to get you off these corners. So we need to talk and tell me what's going on. Talk to me, and, and maybe I, if I don't have a solution for you, somebody in here that's standing on the corner might have a solution for you. So like I use the the car wash because a lot of guys who love washing cars. You know, it, it's a vacant building. Hey, won't four or five y'all get together? And uh, and we go down to the bank and talk to the bank, and, and try to get a, a small loan, a business loan or something, and then you open up your own car wash, and then you become prosperous from there. Why we don't see that though? Like I have seen so many women put other women on yeah. grants, money, like all types of stuff. I don't feel like I see that type of camaraderie amongst black men. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think with with um. But what you just said is like we feel like women are more amped now to to go out at like, kind of like a go getter. You know, men we we'll wait to the last minute or we just looking for a handout. See, because yeah. what we say we say we're not looking for men with money no more because we right. the men with money. Right, right, right. And so like um, um, so that's one of the things that that we need to step up. You know, with black men. And I, but then too, it goes back to, I guess the crab in the bucket thing. It's just, you know, I gener like I say, our generation is so. It, it's kind of like we had, we trying to, we had to play catch up, and and I, I've been saying this over the last, I know at least three years or so, 
and and no disrespect to nobody, but I feel like our baby boomers let us down as black men. I sure feel that. You know, uh, they they they. I grew up in the seventies and eighties, and so so you considered to be a latchkey kid. You're part of the silent generation. Yeah. So so my thing is is that we had um I mean they talk they say hey when you grow up son I'm gonna teach you how to do this right here so when I get old I'm gonna sit back and let you handle it then you raise the next generation. But when I got older, then I see a lot of them don't want to let it go. They want to hold on to it and until they 90, 100 years old and can't do it no more. But then then when you look at the white generation, and not, I'm not really comparing us to them, but when you look at the white generation, they teaching their kids how to, to work at you know Fortune 500 companies. When our kids now, three generations later, they, they trying to get a job working at McDonald's. Yes, that's very true. But I will say to the effect that them white baby boomers ain't retiring the way they supposed to. Right. And you seeing that shit, especially like in the government right now with uh, Mitch McCain and that woman that just died down there in California. They they dying in office. Well, well, well the thing about it, though, um, when you make that comparison, they got that money. They got old money. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't. That's, no. that's why when we get our first... Twenty thousand dollars. We going to buy a brand new Cadillac Escalade. Jewelry. The, yeah, exactly. Cause we behind. We trying to live the quote unquote American dream that we should have been living, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's not. I wouldn't say that it is our fault though. It is a form of like economic education is a specific form of education that has been taught, especially when you think about like the rich people, the Rothschilds, all these people, they were taught generationally how to make money, keep money, pass money down. That's just not something that we were able to focus on because we've been focusing on freedom and liberty for the last few generations. Yeah. And that's true. And then the other thing too, um, the little money that we do get, you know, it, especially we in a uh, in a positive light, you know, we trying to make sure the light, you know, the light bill paid, the gas and water. Whereas, um, you know, they trying to make sure that they are, um, uh, you know, for one case, they got six hundred million dollars in it, you know. But the blessing in that is the fact that we came up with nothing. So if we escalate the sum and lose it, we, we know, know how, how to survive. survive. Right, but they don't. You know, the first thing they're going to do is go blow their heads out. Yes, blow their brains out. that's very true. My God. Yeah. Well, that, that it is what it is at the end of the day. But um, we are focusing on these morals and values and expectations of black men. Let's talk about, like, the modern-day morals and values and expectations of black men by black men. I feel like right now a lot of black men... Like, we're going through this phase where black men, young black men are so violent. And I always speak about the violence because it's scary. Mm-hmm. I literally watched a video last night about this young girl who had a six-month-old. And it was her birthday. And her father, the latest baby daddy, came in and beat both of them up, stumped yeah. them out to the ground. And it's just unnecessary type of violence. Even with the murders within our black communities, is black men versus black men. Black men only got a gun for another black man. 
man. So, like, I feel like when we're talking about expectations, I feel like our expectations for black men are very low. And I feel like because their comprehension skills, especially in these impoverished places, are so low, people have forgotten or given up on them to try to educate them or invest in them or to give them power. And then when people speak about the violence, like women, we like, they're no more good black men or da-da-da-da-da. Black men will turn around and tell us, well, you need to learn how to pick better. You need to learn how to choose better instead of holding their counterparts, their cousins, brothers accountable and responsible for what they're doing and trying to make them do better. Even with the conversation of therapy, they don't want to hear that. To make themselves be better, like to cure yourself from your own trauma, whether it's generational or if it's something that's happened within your lifetime, they just refuse to do it. Yeah, and, and that's true. Because, uh, like, going back to those standards and mores and values, like, uh, just one uh, situation I, I was in, uh, probably about two months ago, I saw a bunch of uh, black boys. It, it was uh, next to this business I was in. At, and uh, they had these toy uh, machine guns, and so they were running out, uh, running out in the street and all out in the highway and everything. And so I wanted to, um, I really wanted to uh, go tell those guys that, uh, hey, look, you know, y'all gonna play with these machine guns? Go in the back. Don't come out in the street. The police might see you, or some average citizen might see you and think the gun is real and shoot at you, or police might come in and arrest you, or, you know, try to arrest you or whatever. And so one half of my mind was like, I need to do that and take responsibility as a black man. But the other half was like, what do these guys get mad and try to retaliate? So I was like, kind of like a 50-50, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays. But back, you know, back in the day. You could have said it, something. Yeah, exactly. What they down here in the country, it's like they'll be on four wheelers, go karts, everything in the yeah. middle of the road, all black. They don't care if you yeah, see exactly. them or not. Yeah. And if you give them advice to better help their life, they won't want to hear it. And it puts you in such a negative place. Like yeah. it puts you in a bind. So I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, um, the thing is, is that, um, I, well, I, well, on the one hand, it, it depends on where, where you are. So, um, I think that we as black men need to just step up and just take that chance. You know, sometimes it's, it, I mean, it's easy to, to it's say It's said this. and done. Yeah, yeah, um, because to, even talking about our overall topic, which is dating, marriage, relationship, love, when it comes to expectations, like all, not I'm going to say all, but the majority of them who are not middle class and up, they don't. They don't have high standards when it comes to dating. It's very lackluster. In fact, they probably romanticize their relationship with their homeboys more than they would with their partners or significant yeah. others. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. Yeah, and, and that's true. Uh, I mean, like, as black men, we grew up not having those intimate uh, conversations uh, with, with our fathers or with our male uh our figures or our parents or whatever, because it was like back then for us, it was like that was grown folk talk. So you, you didn't have those conversations, but you know, like as black men, we want to feel love. We want to feel, um, had those feelings. Matter of fact, um, I, it was a song that came on the radio before I came and I wrote it down. Um, uh, I think, uh, 
what the name of the song is spend some out spend some time with me and basically the guy was just saying that he wants his significant other just spend some time with me sometimes he want my wife to like just lay on the couch with me and we watch tv you know in the, in the little family room or whatever and uh but I, but i know nowadays are totally different from back in back in the day but we got to still take that time out but i mean she still you know she she's the main cook of the household after she gets out of work she's on the zoom uh, another hour or so and, and you know our mindset is to go home and be in the bed by seven eight o'clock so we can get ready for the next day but next thing you know we might not eat till midnight you but know marvin you genuinely like your wife yeah, I do. I know, like, I can tell based off of, like, your interactions and conversations that you have with your life, wife, I can tell not only that you love her, but you respect her. And I don't feel like there's something that's common anymore. Um, there was actually this conversation going on social media where these young black boys, once again, were talking about the phase in a relationship where you start to hate your girlfriend. I ain't even know niggas was feeling like that, where they go through a phase where they don't want nothing to do with them and they just stick around just yeah. because. Well, yeah, they stick around because they don't want nobody else to have them. But what is that? What is that? My mama boyfriend been saying the same thing. <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, that, what that's, is what is it? Well, that's I mean, that's just that's uh, ego. That's what it not, is. No, it's not. It's, it's like a it's like um, well, I'm put it like this here. It's like I just you you and you me and you for an example, okay? So if we were dating or we were in a relationship and uh, we broke up, you know, whether I broke up with you, you broke up with me. And if if you're doing well in life, then I don't want to see you succeed. So subconsciously, you know, I don't want nobody else with you. But if you're not doing so well, you're down in the dumps and stuff, then I really ain't thinking about it because I feel like don't nobody want you. So it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of like I still want you, but I don't want you to know I want you. This ghetto. It is, but, you know, that's just the way They just life. sound like trauma. That's yeah. all it sounds like. <laughs> Back to the question, though, I didn't know that men got to this period in a relationship where they genuinely start to hate their partner, but we'll stick around. And it's this something that's so common where you see men – like they'll fall out of love they'll fall out of interest with the relationship and it'll be over for years months and they'll just stick around yeah i mean that's true i mean you know we all human like like for me for example uh my wife and i we we had our terrible time too you know we i mean it's life you know and it was a time that she was, i hated coming home i stay at work another hour or or she might come home and, and see me parked at the house and make another block but you know, but we we had we had this relationship, this bond that we still loved each other, and then our families uh, loved us. You know, her family loved me, and my family loved her. There was a lot of love that still kept us bonded. And like now, shoot, my wife make it home at five oh one. I'm like, man, where you been? You know, Great, that's real you know, though. You be ready to see her. Yeah. And there's there's nice to hear that that type of black love still exists within this community because oh, man, I'm getting to the point where I feel like that type of love is almost absolute. Yeah, especially see, in this area. And you were talking about location. Yeah, and see, like like for for us, like my wife and I, we've been spending so much time together. It's like unreal. It's like I don't even want to go. You know, watch football with the boys no more. I rush stay at home and 
Just be in her space. That's because you actually like your wife. Yeah, yeah, she cool. She cool. And I love cool. that because these niggas do not like their partners like that at all. Yeah. And you can tell. So when they get into like these men led spaces like barbershops like men groups sports groups and stuff they are so comfortable talking about how much they dislike their partner and then you get on things like this like a podcast and everybody's hearing it it's a shock because it's not normal it's not who holds the black man accountable i think uh we hold each other accountable do y'all really yeah we do um well i'm gonna put it like this here we hold each other accountable based off status. Huh. And what I mean by that, if I take myself for an example, um, like, I guess going back to leadership or I'm somebody who that a lot of men in my community feel like, you know, that I can help uplift the community. Mm-hmm. If they see me doing something wrong or something that I shouldn't be doing, then, uh, you know, they, that accountability comes comes to the fact of hey you know what you're doing you know that this ain't you you know uh uh you know we don't need you to mess up your life because we looking for you to lead us through the promise again that's a lot of pressure yeah it is but you know that's that's just the way it is and and, and i had to take it upon myself to to um you know take heed to that and 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 it goes back to i guess the spirits of of life you know, our ancestors, you know, even though that's somebody who, I guess, quote, unquote, at the bottom or quote, unquote, not in my position or not moving the way I'm moving, um, you know, you know, those angels speaking through them to me, you know, hey, you need to straighten up and do right. You know, your folks. They didn't like that. They didn't raise you like that. I do think it's interesting that you talk about status because I've never thought about it in that manner. Um, It makes me think a lot about like drug dealers, right? So if I was a crack fiend and I was a man and anytime I get on that dope, I go home and beat up on my wife, maybe a drug dealer be like, I'm not going to say you this no more because you you act too much of a nut when you own it. And I love to see stuff like that. Like when you in those very strange, unnormalized situations, and yeah. people have your back like that. Give me more examples and, of black men. As, as a matter of fact, uh, if I can use this point, when I was in college, um, I had a we had an associate, a friend, or whatever. He was in college too. Uh, of course, he uh, sold a little dope on the side, a little marijuana, or whatever. We love small own so, businesses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so one day, um, uh, me and some of my homeboys, we had got an apartment, and so uh, you know, we uh, the rent was due, or whatever. So the one guy, he, the guy who sold, he told us, he said, uh, he said, if y'all want to make some money, you know, just holler at me. So I went and hollered at him, and he said, man, all thing you got to do is drop this package off for me today at 6.30. You know, when you drop it off, take it off the ground. I said, okay, cool. So me thinking, well, I'm just going to do it one time to get this money, which that was my mindset to do. But then at 6.30, it started getting closer and closer. I started sweating. I started thinking about, man, it'd be just my luck. I'd get caught and go to jail. My See mama that? You beat the brakes off think me. about all that stuff yeah. your grandma and granddaddy yeah. taught you. So, so when I called him, I called him about 615. He already knew my answer. He said, he said I wasn't going to let you do it no way. That's real. He said, he said, he said I, I wasn't going to let you do it no way because you ain't that type of guy. And he said, and you got a bright future. And I don't want to see you, you know, go down this path. And, and um, 
And, you know, like I say, I guess so many words, he held me accountable to the direction I was trying to go in. That's nice. My, I guess my question is, is how often does that happen? Like, realistically? Well, for me, it, it happened um, well, because Marvin, you you an anomaly. What yeah. about the normal yeah. Well, nigga? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Uh, and then and then what's so sad about it is that you know, like for for us as black men, our significant others, other um, uh, try to lead hold us accountable, but we won't listen to them. Mm-mm. And it going it goes back to, to you know what it goes back to psychology. Yeah. I actually saw this statistic earlier today that as young boys get older, they learn to tune their mothers out mm-hmm. like innately and naturally because they're trying to learn and develop their own sense of self and understanding. Yeah. So that might be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's almost like your your own significant other, you know, she tried to tell you something. You know, it's, it's almost like, for us, it's almost like you cheating us like you are our son. You know, like, we your son. And so we don't want to be like, you know, you ain't not my mama. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I'll tell you right now, a wise man is slow to anger and easy to listen. I know that to be a fact. And I personally would never date someone who couldn't listen to me as a partner because I'm so smart. And I've come across these men who are so egotistical or just fact-driven to the fact that I'm a man, I'm a leader, and this point blank period, and you missing out on this wealth of knowledge right. from your significant other, from, your part, from me, mm-hmm. that you could learn because... For me, I really don't need a man for too much. I would like to date someone where I could learn more from. And, you know, they could probably help me in the areas that I fall short on. But they don't have nothing to offer, like, yeah. at all. Well, well, you know what? Um, since you said that, it's like um, like my wife now. My wife, she, now she's a powerful woman, you know, uh, well-connected. I'm talking about uh, nationally known or whatever, but... At the same time, uh, we, matter of fact, we just celebrated homecoming at our alma mater, Jackson State University. Yeah, what yeah. y'all saying is? The yeah. I love, man. Yeah, the I yeah. love. Hey, matter of fact, uh, I, I, um, I stopped to get us a shirt made because uh, next year in July, we'll be married 30 years. So That's so nice. I, I stopped to get us a shirt made and said, uh, my wife and I have been married for 29 years, but we still in love with Jackson State. <laughs> That's corny. But, <laughs> But uh, but the thing is, is that um, like, I know the power that she possesses, and, and and she don't. I mean, she's real humble, you know. But at the same time, that power that that I know that she possesses, I still see that she needs, you know, that companionship, you know, and and the power goes out the window when it comes to that. So like, like um, with with men and women. We just have to communicate with each other. And men, we have to learn how to hear a woman. Not listen, but hear a woman. I think it's important for men, especially right now, is to decenter this idea of women being only a helpmate. Because we're kind of getting to this point in life or in America where women are far more powerful than they ever been before because we have more freedoms than we ever had before. So you're seeing like this boss babe era or this entrepreneurial era for black women and stuff. And um, black men are only seeing us as the help, cook, clean, 
maintain the house, maintain the children. And when like this generation of women is actively saying, I'm more than that. I can offer more than that. And if I can offer more than that, you need to be able to step up and offer more as well. But they're so stuck in this mentality. Well, this is a woman's role. This is a man's role. And if I step out of this role or ideology, it makes me less or it makes God upset. Yeah. What thing is, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, when I feel like if you winning as a woman, then we win. We win it together, you know, and I got to support you. You know, uh, it, it doesn't make me less of a man just because you probably making $10,000 more than me. But the thing is, is that that um I have to uh, still I still have to do play my role as a man and, and uh, provide or, or lead or give direction uh you know uh and so like with with the black woman like i say she is so powerful i'm talking about like you just don't realize the power that y'all have i have a great understanding (laughs) well i know you (laughs) well um i mean like i mean like I, i i've seen where my wife brother was like intoxicated you know at the a good part of the night. I'm talking. About, I'm trying to wake him up. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And she can just call his name, and he woke up just like a zombie. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's just the power that the uh, black woman that black possesses. Woman possess. Yo, you know, y'all can make us feel bad. Y'all can make it feel good. Y'all can whoop us with y'all ass or oh, words, know, words, body language. whatever. But yeah, exactly. And you know, we can tell when you're mad. We can tell when you're not feeling well. And 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 the thing that that I wish that a black woman be more verbal on is that when y'all feeling lonely or just want to feel, you know, cuddled, just hey, baby, I just want you to just sit here with me, just hold me for a minute. Oh, you, know, you my want wife, more vulnerability yeah, for yeah, when black yeah, exactly. women. My, nice. my, my wife been doing that lately, and that that stuff be feeling good because it's like that's why I be, you know, that what you we want. Exactly. Yeah, that what you here for. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen this, but um, Tyler Perry recently did this interview um, on a podcast show, and he was talking about how it's time for black women to essentially settle for a lot of black men. He was saying that the demands of black women were too much. We need to start writing these lists on what we would like in a man and really just pick up on the men and pick up on men who are able to pay the light bill. He said, you know, get you, if he can't do nothing else, then pay the light bill. Then um, you should date him and love him and lift him up. How do you feel about that? Well, I can agree with that. Now, honestly, um, like, Mom, uh, you were doing no, so good. No, well, no, honestly, so I can't agree with that because, like, um, like sometimes if you if your well, not necessarily your standards, but if your checklist is so broad, you can miss out on your blessing. That's true. That's being realistic with yourself. Yeah. But in this instant with Tyler Perry, I personally feel like he's telling black women to drop their standards. And it's something I've never heard anybody tell any other race of women. Like white women, when they get married, what they do, they marry up. They're going to marry up into a rich family. They're going to create more generational wealth for their lineage to pass on. Even the motherfucking Desi Indian women. They get married to high-tech millionaire billionaires. So, like, ain't nobody but black women being told to go down and um, lift the black man up from his boot. I don't understand why the message is black men, y'all need to start working harder. Because, you know, I really, yeah. Well, well, two things. One, um, when you look at that, 
one of the main focuses about a relationship is love. So those white women or, or those uh, Hindu women marry up, you know, for me, they, they marry just for the money. Them motherfuckers, you know? because that's but, what marriage truly is. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like they done sold us this dream about love. It hadn't been until the last hundred years that people really started marrying for love. Yeah. People have always married for um marriage arrangements for money to help benefit either yeah, family. Exactly. And then see like going back to um when when you said that uh, uh God, I lost my thought real quick. Uh, what marrying up? Uh well no when when you said oh yeah about black men uh you know we need to preach about black men stepping up. The only problem is is that we got a double door that's locked and it's kinda hard for us to really step up, you know. Um, I don't unless we, uh, you know, a superstar athlete or some rap or singer, you know, rapper or singer. I don't think that's realistic at all. I feel like those are just the categories that a lot of black men have placed and have like said this is what they want to excel in because black women are entrepreneurs. They're more black entrepreneurs women than anywhere else so like even when you talking about like migrants with like the asian communities hispanic communities they'll be just as dirt poor as we are and it's been it just came into this country they are all live together work together build community and generational wealth with each other because they'll come up with a plan together right. and they have shit that's oppressing them as well i just don't feel like they are creative or innovative enough or have the patience to be able to save that money to truly start doing what they want to do. Well, the thing is, is that um, for us, it's, it's still harder, you know, as a black man, because, like, they get all the benefits. Matter of fact, I was looking at, at um, this organization that was offering some grant money, and all the money was either geared toward women, uh, you know, uh, starting a business, or it was geared toward some other race. There was nowhere in the, in the picture for a black man, mm. you know. And so I'm not saying there are no grants out there for a black men. They just few and far in yeah, between. Exactly, exactly. So even even if even if uh, let's just say five black men decided to get out the corner and start their own business, the question is, will we really give them a chance? And, you know, I feel like this is also an issue for the more wealthier black men within our community as well to create those grants, to create those resources for these black men as well. Because you are right, it's not just all on y'all, but more people need to start providing opportunities so that they can help people lift if they climb. Because... I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it unless they're a rapper giving back to their community. Like all these tech moguls, cryptocurrency leaders, they're not giving back to black men at all. Even just like toy drives, donation drives, sponsorships for young black boys to do sports or STEM or anything. They don't create resources for them young boys. And they are intelligent in specific. They're intelligent and capable of doing it. They just don't have those opportunities. Yeah, and and that's true. And then another thing, too, like it depends on where you're from. See, I I look at sometimes I look at these rappers or athletes. They give thousands of dollars, or they might give um, every kid uh, a pair. I just say a pair of Jordan. I'm just gonna use Jordan for example. But then they'll go to somewhere like Salt Lake City, Utah, when they can come 
when they can go to Jackson, the Mississippi, exactly. they can go exactly. to the Delta, they can go to Memphis, yeah, exactly. they can go to Atlanta. Exactly. And so so it's like, you know, what about us? So then but then then it goes back to, you know, as far as acquiring wealth, um, you know, like the little money that we do have, I'm just speaking for the Delta. It's just that, you know, we we trying to save our money. We in a situation of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm. And, and actually, we, we need robbing, to be robbing Paul. You know, actually, we robbing uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul so we can rob Paul back. Yeah, I know? would. I would. But mm-hmm. yeah, but um, so we have to. Sometimes we have to uproot and and just go other places. And uh, but the you know, goal is always to come back. Right, right, right. And right. they don't never come back. And then it goes back to marrying outside of the race. Mm. Once it's like once they get. A little taste of that mm, money, yeah. that little taste of that whiteness, because I told you if it ain't white, it ain't right. right, right. And then they never come back. Yeah, they never right. come back, and they create all these excuses as to why. Then you know what? And it they brings, have all the solutions in the world. Look, it's a great, a great example. So um, there's this thing going on with a lot of black men who do that date outside of their race specifically. They do not date black women, and so like they go, their excuses is always, I only date black i only day outside of the race because when i was in high school they bullied me they made me feel bad black women gave me a hard time and then you hear that and i've been hearing that for years and then you look back on it and you like it wasn't just black women bullying them boys it was black boys doing it too so you'll maintain your friendships and relationship with those black men who taunted you, who made you feel bad. No one held them accountable. No one held you accountable, but you'll dog walk the black woman and use her as a scapegoat as to why you're dating outside of the race. Well, that's true. Um, uh, I mean, that's a sad thing and I hate it, but you know, cause like I say, uh, you know, the black woman was designed for the black man. Yeah, you Dr. Know? Umar said you yeah. can't you can't go to heaven. You can't see God unless you're making love to the black woman. That's yeah. the only way you can yeah. see him, especially. Yeah, exactly. And then, like I said, it goes back to black woman is unique. You know, y'all come in so many size, shapes, colors, hair, style, uh, you know, just attitudes, whether good, bad, snap, you know, just. Kind it's of like fun. Going, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and so that what makes y'all so different and unique. And that goes back to what, what Tyler Perry was talking about, the um like the checklist. Like our checklist need to be narrowed down too. Because I don't, like like uh if if uh if we see a woman that we feel like we're attracted to, but we don't want to talk to her because we feel like she got an attitude, you know, a black man can always break that barrier if that's what he wants. You know, mm-hmm. but if he don't want that, then it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Exactly. Well, all I want to say is that they always bring up the femininity, masculine argument when it comes to us. I just feel like white women don't have no reason not to be feminine because they've never been, been through like these hard times where they've had to choose and become like multifaceted in order to get themselves and their families through hard times. So if you're going to use that as an excuse to only date white, just be realistic because again, they've never had no reason to not be feminine. Yeah. Yeah, and then like like say, uh, now my wife she's feminine, but she tough. I, nah, honestly, I wish you I was know tough what, like and that wife. was our biggest beef this summer because oh, you yeah, did not yeah. think I was feminine, and I'm such a little lady. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> you you gangster. 
I'm a real nigga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you cool, though, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. I want to say this to us, though. Mm. Because we try to act like the way sisters treat us doesn't have a history that we are not at least partly responsible for. Let's be honest. Mm. The black woman has had to hold down the black house by herself, mm-hmm. although imperfectly. Mm-hmm. She's had to do it by herself since the mass incarceration of black males began in the 1970s. You mm-hmm. understand me? Mm-hmm. Most of our children are raised by a single mother right now. Mm-hmm. And it has been that way for about 50 years. So when a sister says, I don't need a man, because she couldn't find one strong enough to hold her down. Or when you meet a woman and you say, sister, I'm, I'm strong enough to be a man. You ain't got the work or you ain't got to pay the bills or whatever. Pull back. I got you. And she can't do it. Because all the other men before you mm-hmm. who disappointed her. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, black man, we got to be patient with our women because we created that personality. We created that. And then we, we want to uh, act like we didn't play a role. Okay. We have to be held accountable for their poor selection. No, you have to be held accountable. No, you have to be held accountable because they have a poor selection. See, what you're saying, you're selecting a poor mate. And what I'm saying is they don't have much to select one, so of course she's going to end up with a poor mate. And why is she going to end up with a poor mate? Because we as black men are not raising black boys to be the men that our women need. We are not. They out there killing themselves right now. What we doing about it? Unemployed black males, what we doing about it? Pants sagging, weed smoking, what we doing about it? Black men are not raising black boys to be the men our community needs. That is 100% our fault. What I'm saying is she got a right to be angry with us. Mm. She got a right to be angry with us. We have not been on our job as black men. If the men are the providers, what have we been providing for our community? I'm not speaking you individually. Yes, yes. Because you may be a damn good father. You may be a damn good father. You may be a damn good father. But guess what? What are we doing for the community? What are we doing for the children who don't have a father? You don't think the black woman got a right to be angry when she's been raising two-thirds of the kids by herself for 50 years? And the minute she raised her voice, we say she's not humble enough. She had to become masculine to survive the rape, the molestation, the domestic abuse. Are you telling me you can't see how we created that? I understand that, but she needs to be more selective. If we was loving our women and and taking care of our women, do you think she would be like that? That personality has a history. If she's picking Pookie and Ray Ray instead of... You're making her a scapegoat. No, she's picking a scapegoat. No, 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 no. There's there's good quality men that they ignore. why, why, Why is there even a Pookie in the selection? You got to ask her No, no, no. I'm going to tell you why there's a pookie okay. in the selection. Why? Because black men have abandoned black boys and have allowed social media, white media, athletes, and rappers to raise them. That's why she with pookie. If she would not have a pookie. If we're going to be men, the mm-hmm. first thing we got to do is take responsibility for why our women feel the way they feel. So let's talk about this. When you hear the phrase black men don't cheat, what does it mean to you? And is there any validity to this statement? I mean, it is some validity to it. Now, if you talk about all black men, then that's not true. But if you just talk about uh, black men, I I really can't say a percentage because there's a lot of black men out there who don't cheat. You know, and even if they did or have cheated in the past, and, and you know, like I say, they uh, found a, way, a better way of life 
without cheating, then you know, uh, I think that percentage is, is great. Cause like, like all a black man wants to do is to have peace. And I, I think I said that earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, we want, I mean, you know, y'all make us feel special, you know, time to time, but then it goes back to, <laughs> you know, y'all can break us down too. You know, when we not Y'all doing, homeboys break y'all down yeah, for fun yeah, though. No, because we going to be realistic. Y'all are absolutely in a platonic friendship relationship. It might not be a romantic relationship, but you are the sum of the four people that you keep closest to you. And I just, I hate seeing the way that other black men talk to other black men and the trauma that black men suffer, like, in their free time. Man, okay, like, we talk about athletes. Them athletes, football player, basketball players, when they go into them locker rooms, they be getting roasted, folded, and some more shit. And that shit be hurting their feelings. And yeah. that, that'll teach them, like, to start roasting, to learn how to make fun of people and stuff like that. But when them niggas get home, they be in their bed sobbing and crying. Because why that nigga tell me I'm made up like an upside, upside down ketchup box? Why that man said that to me? So then, like, they... Like, black men talk so harshly to black men. And it's to the point now where, like, if I'm a relationship with another man and I'm telling him there's a problem, he will not receive it unless I'm yelling it at him because most of the most important information that black men receive in their lifetime has been yelled at them, either by their coaches, by their mothers, by the police. So they don't know how to just take, like, a simple talking to and understand and register it. So it's, it's such a problem because even with... What they watch online, like uh, Fresh and Fit, and with Andrew Tay, or um, who was that black man that Kevin Samuels? Like the way that these men online will talk to other black men, and this is what they listening and consuming, like in their free time, it's devastating. It will break you down, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll come to the realization, like with the black woman, you know, like either. When you finna leave us or you finna put us out. It's too late and then, huh? It, well, it ain't never too late. But, Boy, you know, boo. I mean, you know, it, it ain't never too late. But uh, we just have to, you know, get our act together. And we have to just grow up, you know. Uh, and, and it goes back to, you know, like I said, we so far behind. Okay. Too. So this is my question. What is considered cheating for black men? Well, I guess to each his own, but if you, I think if you uh, do something that you can't do in front of your significant other without her feeling some type of way or without her, uh, you know, getting mad or feeling disrespected or feeling like, you know, I can't believe you just did this BS in front of me, you know. Mm. So, So if you by yourself and do it, can you do the same thing in front of her? Mm. Give me an example. Okay, like, uh, n- not saying that I want to. Mm-hmm. If uh, if um, when when we end this this podcast, and we're like, okay, Morgan, it was a good thing, you know, whatever. Not kiss you on the lip, you know. Yeah. Can I do that in front of? Uh uh-uh, uh. Exactly. No. So 
So then that's that's a prime example. That that's a, a small example. That ain't yeah. no small example. Well, that's a big example. I feel like the small examples are again going back to social media, like liking people's content. You or, think so? Not me personally. I feel like those are the big issues within dating relationships. Like, okay, for example, let's say your broad, your bitch, she little. 126 with she little bit girl and that's the love of your life and you dating her but you get on social media and every single picture you like is a big booty bitches with brazilian butt lifts and butt shots like you wouldn't do that in front of your bitch you can't tell me that there's something that you would do in front of your girlfriend or um you making plans or oh i know a great example is like uh these boys with their female friends and companions and stuff men will go to college or go to high school and will have female best friends that they'll never tell their significant others about and they will privately go and hang out with them and would and will they wives will never hear about it and it's because they know that they secretly have have an attraction to them and they want to make that experience sacred well i don't, I don't think that's necessary i think the thing is men and women see things in a different lens like i'm not on social media so like um like facebook for example if um if if i like if i want to say facebook and i like something i i get what you're saying that um that might feel you might feel disrespectful or whatever like that, but I don't think that's really cheating. I think it's but it can be. But but think about it now. If you in a I mean I'm not saying you but you in a group of uh, ladies together and you with your your guy and then uh this guy come around with muscles or whatever and y'all be like, Oh girl, he know he fine. Y'all can say that in front of us. Mm-hmm. But let a woman come through there and we with the guy and we with our woman. Man, look how fine she is. Yeah, you know, we can't do that. Why because, y'all can't do that? Man, man, y'all, man, y'all snap on us so bad. Oh, or, 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 you might not say nothing then, but then get home. Oh, oh, that's what you want. Yeah, because that's what know, you want. Oh, you must know her. And you I, must you know, know her. All these thousand questions are coming up. Yeah, you know, like for us, we not even thinking about it again. My know? God. Or, or even even if we do, we might you know pull out a joke or something. Say. I'm gonna take my shirt off and get in the shower. My muscle ain't big to do. <laughs> you know, but, um, but you know, I I think, but yeah, like I said, going back to your question, I think the cheating is just to each. It it depends on the relationship, but you really can't use today's relationship because so many relationships nowadays are so open that you know. Uh, kiss on the lip ain't nothing you know they were like oh go get her bring her back home you know (laughs) now hold on let me answer the question the original question like about the phrase black men don't cheat i think well this is a phrase that black men really really champion right when black people say that it is specifically focused on the men part because little boys are not men so grown black men understand the responsibility of upholding and respecting their relationships so that's where this phrase black men don't cheat they're not gonna say black boys i think that um there's a lot of truth to it but i also feel like people focus on cheating a little bit too much let let me ask you a question um do you feel like a lot of people break up great relationships just based off of cheating uh i I wouldn't really say break the relationship up because women y'all tolerate a lot Mm -hmm. you know from us but i think it kind of like 
um, creating some cracks in the relationship. Okay, so like oftentimes when people be in a relationship, they might forgive their partner for abuse. Like a nigga might be beating you all upside your head. You may have let it slide the first couple times, and then the third and fourth time, you might be like, "All right, this too much. This too much." But when it comes to like cheating, that's like a one and done for a lot of, especially like black women. Yeah. So like I've heard this argument where people be like, "Cheating is not the end all be all," especially because humans are not specific monogamous creatures like right. people as as mammals or humans we supposed to have been able to date and have and do all this stuff with multiple people so i guess my question is is do you really feel like a relationship can bounce back after someone has cheated i think it can i, I have you seen I'm, it before i have i i've experienced it. my god yeah it has i mean it's possible i mean i've seen i've seen it before you know, in person or, or even on TV, you know, but, but the thing is, is like, it goes back to what I said, you know, earlier, like me and we have to learn how to hear a woman after, after a relationship has been torn and you're trying to build it back. When a woman, um, wants or needs something, you have to hear exactly what she's talking about and not just say, Oh man, it happened 10 years ago. Y'all be Stop that. blowing it all up yeah. in my face. Yeah. I mean, if it hurt, it hurt. It don't yeah. matter when it happened. It takes a time yeah. heals all wounds. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, men, we have our, our feeling of hurt too. And uh but we we uh live this life of being so tough that we hold it in and we don't talk about it to our significant other. We probably go talk to talk to another guy about it or or something happened, be like, man, I'm sick of this, you know whatever you know instead of going to our significant other say baby you know you made me feel bad the other day because it makes us feel weak i'm gonna tell you one thing the other day um my mom had literally well technically she accused me of something that i didn't do mm. you know i had uh borrowed her truck mm-hmm. or something and she told me well don't pull a trailer or something it was like a parade but I, but um, I had to get something fixed on my truck. Something. Anyway, make a long story short, I kept saying I I hadn't been in your truck in two days, and she kept saying, "Yeah, you did." And then so finally, I told her, I said, "No, I didn't." And then we, uh, we watched that conversation. And then so finally, I told her, I said, "Well, you ain't gonna apologize to me." And she said, "Apologize for what?" I said, "Well, you basically accused me of doing something that I ain't doing." That's one thing I hate for for somebody to accuse me of doing something I ain't doing. It hurt my feelings to the worst. I said, you, you you hurt my feelings when you told me, you know, when you accused me that. She said, well, I'm sorry, you know. And then on the one hand, I appreciate it. But then on the other hand, I kind of felt bad because I, I felt like I was weak for, for even asking for an apology from my mama, you know. And that and and, and that goes back to to um, that stereotypical um, version of, of a definition of, of a man. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it does. We, we have our sensitive feelings, too. I get that. I think the whole premise is around, like, the communication aspect of it. Because, like, after you came to the realization of how it make you feel, like, did you sit, and sit in that feeling and process it and, like, rationalize it? You did? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Like... And, 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 and it was therapeutic because it was like, like, um... It's kind of like we as black people, I think we merging into 
to mental health awareness. Most definitely. And so that was a mental health moment for me, you know, for my mama to to apologize to me, apologize to me for hurting my feelings, you know, rather than me just carrying that on. Not saying I want to treat my mom bad. No, enough, but, but it's know, about it, the respect it behind it, and I don't blame you for that. And it's very mature how you handled it. I guess my next question would be: At what age do you feel like you got into that mentality? Because having that type of like ideology and mentality is not something that you automatically have. It takes an amount of growing to do to get there. And process that emotion. Yeah, well, it wasn't, for me, it probably, I guess, over the last three, four years. You know, it, it hadn't been a long time, but it's been like oh, three or four years. Because, like, for me, when I uh, get left out or, you know, or, or get told one thing, like, I don't get excited about things. Like, somebody say, I'm going to bring you a million dollars right now. I'm not going to get excited about it until I have it in my hand. So I developed this. What, uh, delayed yeah, amounts of yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. And so I developed that. It's, it's delayed like gratitude. Yeah, it's like my protection to keep my feelings from getting hurt, but look forward to something Dang. That, that won't get them. And that is something that black men always tell me is like, do not have no expectations, like because expectations will harm you. Don't don't expect stuff from people. And I just I don't know how I feel about that. And then when something doesn't come through, then you have to deal with your own emotions. You have to regulate them on your own. And then the other person, how they react to it is is upon them, and that can affect you so much more. I just don't know if how. I just don't know if black men are constantly um, evaluating, self-regulating their emotions the way that they need to. Because, you know, science is coming to the point where it's telling us that, like, black men or black adults or people in general, their frontal lobe does not fully develop. Their, um, it doesn't develop until you turn, like, 27. So you have all these young black boys that have died before they've even gotten to the point where they can physically think straight. And I think that's, that's the whole premise of all this stuff. We You got to get there before you start acting and doing and making all these decisions. Right. And to be honest with you, that's why I'm in the relationship space. Because for me personally, I don't respect a man until he's married like a man does not earn my respect until he's married Damn. And, and faithful Damn. like he could bench press 500 he can make a million dollars a week he can have a jet he can have houses around the world a man does not have my respect he he will have my kindness he will have you know my love as a as a brother as a man, but he won't have my respect and admiration until he can be married and faithful. So is that the highest level of a man? It's the, it's the highest level of a and man. And faithful in particular. It's and the faithful, because anybody could be married. That's a piece of paper. Mm. See, real marriage is a covenant, because when we had marriage with God, we didn't have a courthouse. We didn't have a piece of paper. We have a covenant. So the piece of paper does not mean anything. And I remember my dad telling me that he was like, listen, if you think that piece of paper going to change something, it's not. And we have to have a covenant. And this is what you'll notice when you look around. And this is why I was telling y'all with a lot of podcasts that won't bring me on. They, they won't bring me on because they know from my message what I stand on. And they don't want their wives or their girlfriends to see 
that this is a level of living that's capable and I'm settling when Sheree Gaskins has this mindset and you around here talking to me like crap and you around here talking about I got to give you a hall pass and and every man cheats and all of this. So they don't want to expose their woman who's in the darkness to men who speak in the light, who's showing the light. Mm. And so because of that, you'll notice most black men and men in general choose business and motivation over relationships because it's easier to talk about making money than it is to talk about being faithful to one woman and loving one woman purely because what I have come to realize the hardest thing for a man to do and guys always capping in the comments when I say this but they're not really living it because I'm, I'm living it the hardest thing for a man to do is be faithful to one woman and and what I mean by being faithful is not just about not having sex but I also mean by cultivating her heart and mind by speaking life into her by understanding that his greatest strength is his gentleness, by not talking down to her, by not dictating and controlling and trying to silence her and make her, what men are looking for today are robots. They won't. What advice do you have for black men, regardless of their age in regards to uplifting and protecting black women and children? Um, just uh, communicate. Um, step up to the plate, regardless of what. Um, cause when when you, it's kind of like going back to, and I know this really don't have anything to do with a woman, but if you saw the the uh, Montgomery, you know, situation boat, with the bro, you know, yeah. Just think about that young man that jumped off that boat and swam across, you know, to go in protection of somebody he don't even know. Don't even know. So we had to have that same protection for womanhood, that same protection of, of childhood as well. Um, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was a lady at a, at a funeral, repack, I mean, a funeral um, at, a, at the, you know, the, the family re- Yeah. She left her baby in the car. And uh, and so when I found out that a baby was in the car, because a couple people said, oh, I can't believe she left that baby. In, in the you know, Mississippi heat? Yeah, in the Mississippi heat. And uh, so I went in to find the lady, but as soon as I made it to the door, I said, I know you ain't leave this baby. You know, I'm literally, I'm mad. And she's like, oh, I, I went in there about three minutes. I'm like, it don't take but a second. Hundreds on degrees, this baby could have died. Yep. You know, and so indirectly, that was my protection for that baby. You know, but at the same time, you know, like, uh, I've been in a situation where um, I was at, at Walmart, and this white guy, uh, older white guy, was at the counter, uh, like at the jury counter, um, trying to purchase something. He had his credit card, and the, and the black lady, she told him, you know, you got to put your own number in because we can't do it no more. You know, your own PIN number. Mm-hmm. So I thought he didn't quite understand her or couldn't hear her. So after three or four times she telling him this, you know, he was like, no, nah, he just took the car and just threw it on the counter. And she looked and I said, no, nah, you know, I, you know, kind of waved. I said, no, nah, don't, don't lose your job for this. You know, so I said, I, I said, hey, sir, you know, I'm respectful. I'm saying, sir, you know, she just telling you, you got to put your pen up. He turned around and pointed his finger in my face. Look, you stay out of this. You ain't got nothing to do with this. And man, I'm talking about my blood pressure went from zero to one million. God, you know what I'm saying? But, 
my protection for her, and I I I wouldn't even know her if, if she walked up and slapped me in the face right now. Mm-mm. But that was my way of protecting her on her job and as a black woman. And so we have to step up to the plate when we do that. I mean, when, when we see a woman or a child, or a in, child danger. in danger. So let me ask you, do you feel like young men, like of my generation, this Gen Z or even millennials, do you feel like you see that a lot? Uh, no, I don't. Not well, not with your generation. I don't because, like, I see a lot of. Um, now, I, mind you, I say I'm not on social media, but I be seeing a lot of stuff. Like, um, I see a lot of um, younger adults or whatever. They they end up fighting and somebody recording it. Nope, and guys standing around about trying to break it up. You know, and they laughing and and all that. And, and I and don't get me wrong. In some instances, I know that they still kid. You know, because and we did it too. Kid get to fighting, you know, anybody trying to break it up, we watching the fight, you know, in the background hollering, fight, 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 fight. But now it's totally different. But um uh I I don't see that protection unless uh, it's somebody that they personally yeah, dealing somebody, with. Yeah, exactly. It's their partner exactly. or their mother, and sometimes yeah. they still won't do yeah. nothing. And then it's gonna go to another level. Well, you know, Marvin, um, there was recently this young black girl that got hit upside the head with a brick. Her name was Ro. And um, this young, this boy, this young man asked her for her number and she told him no. And he got mad, got in her face and she walked off and he came behind her and hocked her upside the head with a brick in front of a group of black men. And nobody did nothing. And. The thing about it was is when she got on social media, she was in the hospital in her nightgown telling people that she got assaulted by a black man. Nobody believed her. And this went on for probably two weeks until the black man that hit her in the head with a brick got on another podcast show and admitted that he did it. And these black men didn't protect her, did not stand up for her. They they dismissed everything from the medical records to the actual pictures they were coming up with reasons and justifying why they allowed it to happen and it's just it's gotten to this point where black men are stating they telling us face first they don't care what happens to us unless we they bitch sister or mama and that's i think it's scary because one in four women will get married so that's three out of four women who don't have a partner or never have a life lifelong partner and so there's so many black women out here that if they continue with this mindset that will go unprotected and it still doesn't count for the children that'll be conceived from these women regardless if they get married or not so you got this whole group of vulnerable people who are being used and abused and the strongest counterparts within our culture is just standing back and being idle yeah um I mean that's that's a sad situation, but then too it kind of goes back to to the now generation where if you try to protect somebody else, then um, you know the other person's gonna come back, you know, trying to shoot and kill or whatever. Uh, like uh, the other day, uh, I think it was it's a white it's a white guy in New York somewhere. Uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head. He was like a um, for lack of a better term, he a modern day Black Panther white guy, you know. Uh, anyways, uh, make a long story short, somebody uh, walked up on him with a knife and was trying to rob them, and so he put his body in between that person and 
the female, you know, the lady he was with. And he got stabbed. And he got stabbed to death, you know. And so, you know, we dealing with those situations now where, whereas um, if I just said somebody came in here and slapped you right now, and, you know, and I, hey, man, you know, you ain't a man doing that, and I grab him or whatever. Then, I could potentially yeah. get put in danger. Right, right. And that's what a lot of those black men were saying. I guess the mindset is better of you than me. Yeah. And I get that it's survival of the fittest. But if you can stop it before things escalate to that point, that would be so ideal. Now, I know that especially for black women, black women go through violence mostly during their pregnancy because they cannot protect themselves and they like they get abused so much. There was um, a particular time um, about a year and a half ago, I was on the phone with my man at the time arguing. I was parked behind a gas station and behind the gas station were all these big trucks, they 18 wheelers and stuff. And I look over to my left at the car window and I I see this trucker just going at it with this girl to the point where I could hear him like half a block away in my car with the windows up arguing with my nigga. So, of course, what I'm going to do, my first goal is always to help someone in need. I grab my gun and I walk up there to the 18 wheeler and I go check on this girl and the man that was arguing, he got mad at me. Because they were creating a scene in, in public. And that's exactly what I told him. He's like, this is none of your business. I'm like, yeah. if she is in danger, I'm going to make sure she's okay. I don't right. care if it's none of my business or not. Because it would sit on my conscience if something happened to right, her. Right. And I just don't feel, I don't know if something like that happened to me. If someone else would have my back. Because that's now the second time where i've had to intervene between a girl a woman and a man in a physical argument of course they was just arguing but i had a neighbor when i stayed in these apartments above me her boyfriend would beat the fuck out of her to the point where i thought my ceiling fan was gonna fall out the ceiling she would be screaming for help all night when i got company everything i had to go i went up to her apartment twice with knives just to go check on her. And again, he acted like he want to beat up on me. And I mean, regardless of the situation, men can truly overpower women, but I just don't know if, if I hadn't did it, anyone else would have. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I'm crossed up in a situation kind of like that myself. Um, now I don't know if any physical abuse is going on, but just to see, uh, this, this young lady that I know, and she has a significant other. They not married, but you know she's dating this guy, and he's literally like bring her down. You know, you can tell she's not dressing the way she normally dress. Her hair's not fixed up, whatever. And I really want to have a conversation with her to to kind of uh, you know uplift her. But you know, then on the flip side, I'm looking at will she go back and tell him? And then me and him get into it, and one of us end up killing each other i just don't i don't i hope it's not in god's will for anyone to die i just hope that it was in god's will for you to go and intervene on someone's behalf because i really don't i just don't see it no more i really don't think that people would be the innocent bystander to say hey i'm here to help if you need me telling you consciousness over coochie politics over punani i keep telling y'all that Consciousness comes before coochie. The final question of the afternoon, Alderman Marvin Jones, what steps can we take to help rebuild trust between black men and black women? 
Well, I think uh, um, what two steps. One, we can have uh, like an open forum where we uh, have either panelists or just just open discussion. You know, invite men and women, and and and, and just be open. You don't necessarily have to be personal about a situation, but just be open and, and let us let y'all tell us what y'all expect and and. And, and we do the same thing. You really and, think that's going to work? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. Young men like to go into places ready to argue. Well, uh, I mean, well, if the mediator is there to to um, calm the situation before it get riled up, then I think it'll work. But, like, um, then the other thing, too, we need to um, one-on-one, uh, male to female, you know, have a just a, a regular conversation, just and allow the man, uh, well, the man has to be open and vocal too, you know, to to uh, you know say what's wrong, what's what's bothering, what why he's the way he is, or or why he feel like she's the way she is, or you know, and so. But then too, after that conversation, we we have to take those necessary physical steps to do what we said we were gonna do or we want to happen. And that's the only way it'll, it'll work, you know. That's um very good advice. Yeah, so so we just have to be uh, open with each other. So open and effective communication for right. sure. Um, I also feel like again, it comes to holding people accountable as well as creating safe spaces for people. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to infidelity. Um, letting people know that they won't be judged. I think that's probably the biggest thing because we have this like mentality in the black community. It's like very bourgeoisie and very like negative to find out that your partner cheating on you. Like, oh, you must not be doing something right in your house if your man is going out to go cheat on you. But I feel like if we could create more safe spaces where people understand that cheating ain't new, ain't nothing new up under the sun, right. and it's gonna happen, and um, encouraging them to like sit down, like you said, talk it through. I also I feel like people should go to counseling before they get married as well as while they're married whether it be biblically based or it's like academic therapeutic like talking to an actual therapist yeah well i think um and then to another thing i think we should actually find our friendship first before we find our relationship the and that's a that's a that's a great point because I actually had this question going through my mind like do you truly feel like men can be friends with women? Yeah, I think so. But see, like the thing is, is like if we find our friendship first before we find a relationship, because like okay, like if we find that relationship first, we more infatuated with certain physical specific, aspects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so we find that friendship, we'll know that you don't like. Uh, we I'm just saying we, we know you don't like taking baths on Friday my god you know and, and so like if we end up in a relationship then every Friday you're not taking a bath then I'm mad at you and I ain't telling nobody but my mama man she don't she don't, she don't never take no bath on Friday you know so then that's where the relationship started falling apart you know that's just my opinion but <laughs> I I don't know what baby you <laughs> Why bitches ain't bathing on Friday? Yeah, That's so yeah. funny. So like like um, you know, like I said, I, I think we need to um find that friendship first and then build on the relationship, you know, 
probably either after or at the same time. But I'm telling you, these men don't want to go to therapy unless it's too late. And that's why I feel like they should really, like, I really want to go to therapy before things start going sour, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, and, and that might be true, but uh, at now in the beginning of, of our relationship, well, our mindset is to is that you're gonna be the only one for the rest of my life, not knowing that um you might send me to the to the uh to the laundry, but I'm I may have stayed and walked into the candy store. My boy, get you know out! Yeah, I hear you. So, so when I walk in the candy store, then I have to put in my mind or or know, man, I may have stayed and walked in in the candy store. I got to walk out of and go to the. To where I was supposed to be going. Yeah, you got to Rather than standing there, I said, oh, man, that can look good. That can mm -hmm. I just saw a commercial about some uh, M&M's. Let me, let me let see me what go, them m &Ms Yeah, are. some yeah, of them you know. got a little peanut butter. Yeah, some of like, them got some nuts and up there. And then next thing you walk around, all the cabbages in the world. My God. You, know? you should have just went to GNZ yeah, and exactly. got you some or gel or something. Exactly. Well, um, do you have any more steps that we can really take to help re rebuild this trust between black men and women? Yeah, uh, I think, and it's going to be hard to do, and I always tell my wife that, like, um, with Mother Nature, I don't care what you do, you can't defeat Mother Nature. She's going to always take over. So women, y'all have this, this nature of this emotional state that we can't even touch, you know. And so, like, if if uh, if women, you find your, your, your significant other than you know, stepped out on you or whatever, and you forgive them, then forgive them and, and try to forget and just move on, you know. But if you having a, a moment of deja vu or a moment that triggers you, just have a conversation with them. E even if, uh, I just say, I'm just using myself for an example. If um, if I say, hey, babe, I'm going to watch Monday night football game with the guys at night and uh, in the night Tuesday night, and you know it's Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. In the strip club, half yeah, off yeah, on yeah, Tuesday yeah. night. <laughs> oh, well, <I'm> done. <laughs> but but at, and you know it's Tuesday, and you like this joke. I ain't finna go to watch no Monday night game. <laughs> you need to come. You need to have a conversation with me, rather than getting mad when I get back and then you know walking around silent for the rest of the week. Have that conversation with. It goes back to night. that communication. Yeah, baby, the night Tuesday night. You know why you going to watch Monday night? Then I can say. hey, we missed the game last night, but John we, Doe, he recorded it. Yeah. And so we had made a pact. We were going to watch the game tonight because everybody else had to work. Yeah. If you want to come with me, feel free to come with me. Then, you know, that, that'll make everything better. But that, like I said, if you just had that silent treatment and let things linger, then it start building and building and building. Then the mind is just like a computer. You put that virus in there, you know, I, you, you know, you'll start thinking every, you know, all kinds of things. Well, I also think another great example would be consistency too. I feel like a lot of times when people fuck up in relationships, they um they try to do better, and it's only for like maybe a month or two, and then they'll go back to like their old habits and stuff. So like remaining consistent and following through to what like you promised, especially after you've had these conversations and made all these promises. And then another example would. Be be like if you are married specifically like learning how to put your partner first because like i do feel like a lot of times we let me ask you this 
who do you feel like is more important in a relationship? Do you put your child first or do you put your wife first? Well, biblically, you're supposed to put your wife first. But uh, because, you know, when you get married, uh, I'm speaking for marriage now. Uh, when you get married, you know, you become as one. Mm-hmm. So if you put your child first, then that means you're putting yourself second. If you, you know what I'm saying, you putting your, your wife uh, second. Now, if she's like uh, abusing your child or doing something bad, then that's different. But but that goes back to the protection of, of the child. But like, um, so like I say, you're supposed to put your significant other first. Mm, that's nice. I like that. Well, I think that's all we got when it comes to advice. Do you have anything well, else? Well, yeah, well, well, one of one of a piece of advice for for the guy, like okay, like like for me, like sometimes my wife she can go out of town, and I want to hang out with the guys or something. I can't find nobody, so I'm at home watching TV or whatever. But then as soon as she come home, then it's like everybody and their mama want to hang out. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so I gotta um. Like fight through that mental uh, temptation of, of trying to get out just to go hang out. Not saying I'm going to do nothing wrong, but I'm just saying just to go hang out so I can stay home and spend time with, you know, with her. Because eventually she gonna say, "Man, I'm tired of you. You go ahead on just hang out with the guys, you know, or whatever." So, but then we gotta take that and not think that she's trying to get rid of us to so she can go do something wrong. Mm. If your man, if he goes to work all day long and then comes home smelling like a fresh bar of soap, something's up. I ain't got time to be sitting around all day guessing. Relationships are supposed to be about trust. Now, I'm an old school fool. I'm checking his bank statements. I'm checking his credit card statements. I'm checking his time card at work, and I'm comparing it to the hours that he said he was working, and it better match the money that he has coming home. I'm checking his cell phone bill. I'm checking the numbers that he was calling on the cell phone bill. I'm checking his mileage in the car. His job is 10.5 miles. The kid's school is 2.1 miles. I check the mileage when he goes to Terry and Diane's house. It's 6.7 miles, and when any of those miles come back 2.2 or 5.6 or 7.9 or 10.7 if he comes back and i see 4.8 and a half of a mile that means he came from keisha house he rode to the store to get some breast spray do you check his pulse when he walks in the door his resting heart rate is 42 beats a minute if marcus comes home to the house and he claimed he was at work all day if that resting heartbeat is 58 beats a minute he been cheating. I'm not doing all that. That's a full-time job. Exactly. The bottom line is that I have to check him. All that time I spent training that man on how to be right for me, you think that I'm really gonna let some other woman take all that on the job training? Was he a man or a puppy? Cause he ain't either one. That's why I got his cell phone right here and I'm waiting for it to ring. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to my she's bitch. a real nigga. Shout out to the Mississippi niggas. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to the Mississippi niggas. niggas. Yeah, big penitentiary tractor dra- dragging ass oh, niggas. niggas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Want to whisper? And they don't talk loud. They whisper. Dangerous niggas whisper. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. Shout out LGBTQ. You are obsessed and sick. 
and we are back with the big black shout out the blackest shout out in the world the big black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems so marvin who would you like to shout out today okay um back in my hometown i want to shout out c stan cliff stallion uh he owned his own uh Food like truck. Hold on, what's your hometown? Oh, Bellzona, the catfish capital of the world. Bellzona, Mississippi. Bellzona, Mississippi. Come on catfish now. Catfish capital of the world. And uh, it's located in the heart of the Delta. If you're not familiar with the Delta, or you're familiar with where Mississippi Valley State is, we're about uh, 30 miles south of Mississippi Valley State and, and about 20 miles north of Yazoo City. So um, so we sit right in what they call the heart of the Delta. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so back at home, uh, we have a guy, uh, Cliff Stallion. He has his food, his own food truck, and uh, he's doing really well. Uh, uh, he has some some of the great uh, food. Uh, and another person, Danielle Brunson. She uh, actually she actually um uh, own her own business now. She was cooking out of the house, mm-hmm. and so um so she. Decided one day, hey, I, I want to own my own business. What these folk yeah. cooking? Yeah, they be cooking some everything. Well, I'm not really like green eater. But, oh, you know, it's soul cook, food. Yeah, soul food. Some people cook soul food. They they had those uh, 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 egg rolls, uh, chicken, just whatever, hamburgers, whatever. Whatever they, they cook, believe me. It's seasoned it, to like, perfection. It's, it's like if you eat it on a Sunday, you're going to be asleep. For the rest of the day. That's, that's good. good. That's good. Yeah, and um, it's another guy. Um, now he's a a, a local. Well, he's, he's really uh, nationwide, but his name is Columbus Toy. He's a, a Southern Soul uh, blues artist, mm-hmm. and uh, so he he uh, he's been out there a while. So support um the Southern Soul. I'm not. not it's strange enough that my family. I, I came up with a family. Uh, my family musicians mm-hmm. and so like uh uh basically blues musicians and i really don't even like the blues i don't but, even but you yeah. gotta appreciate the yeah, art form yeah, yeah but i mean now some of it sounds good you know the music and all that but uh blues is not like on my top radar list. yeah i'm more of an r&b uh you know love song type person but uh you know like say columbus toy uh he, he's pretty good in that and then one person I really want to shout out, and she's not from my hometown, let's give it up for Morgan, the podcast. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, but go ahead and shout your wife out, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, my wife is uh, Tamika Jane Jones. She's currently uh, the circuit clerk for Humphreys County, and she ran for a House of Representatives District 51, and she won by overwhelmingly uh, percentage of 72%. She represents five counties. A uh, portion of LaFleur County, a portion of Holmes County, all of Humphreys County, a uh, portion of Yazoo uh, County, and uh, Rolling Fork area. So um, she she's uh, going to be taking office in January, and uh, we just want to ask for your prayers and support because I know she's going to be back and forth up and down the highway, and especially she's a, like I said, she's a fighter. She's tough, and uh, when it comes to politics, she she don't. Um, play that, you know, making those backdoor deals on mm-hmm. the table um, because she, both she and I, we we do have this this uh, feeling or a motto or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, when, when you leave the office, 
going to be able to sleep at night. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So, you know, uh, we, like the kids said, we for the people. That's nice. Shout out to all those businesses. Shout out to all the cooks that be putting their foot, gout, arthritis, and corns all up into them meals. Um, shout out to all the blues artists from Mississippi, as well as the politicians. Shout out to the Jones. And thank you so much for sharing. Now, if you have a black-owned business or you know someone else that has a black-owned business and they would like a shout out, make sure you're reaching out to me at the Afrocentric Podcast at gmail.com. Now, young people, it's time to get up and vote. No cap. Democracy is stronger when all people participate. If you run into any problems, make sure you are calling the voter protection hotline at any time. That number is 866-OUR-VOTE. Or make sure you hit them up on their website at 866-OUR-VOTE.gov slash state slash Mississippi backslash. Make sure you're following our organization, Fair Count, on social media. That's at Fair Count. And we will be sharing voting resources, Instagram, YouTube videos. We have a Twitter account, a Facebook account. You need it. You name it. We got it. When voting in person, let me give you a couple tips. And this applies to anyone. Make sure you stay in line. Take your umbrella, a book, some AirPods, take your phone, download some music, movies, your favorite television show. Make sure to bring your own water and snacks and do not share any water or snacks with other people. Bring a lawn chair, bring a towel for the ground. Hopefully you won't have to spend a great deal of time in a line. Remember that the polls must be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time on Election Day. A voter in line at the polling place by 7 p.m. must be allowed to vote. Are you looking to vote absentee? Make sure you contact your county circuit clerk as soon as possible in order to see if you're eligible. All mail-in absentee ballots must be postmarked by Election Day, November 7th. Remember, you guys, your voices do matter. Make sure you get up and vote. No cap. Alderman Marvin Jones, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Black men don't cheat. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes. Um. Before I let you go this afternoon, is there anything that you would like to tell the black community? Yeah. Um. Actually, um, to the black community, or to my community. Mm-hmm. When I say my, I'm talking about all over the world, black community. Yes, diasporic. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I just, I just want to um just uplift you in voice. Um, the thing is, is that that uh, nobody's perfect. Nobody ever be perfect. But at the same time, we have to be there for each other. And, and it, yeah. of course, I'm in the Delta. Uh, I don't have much, but you know, if you ever need me or if you're ever in the area, you know, just look me up. I ain't hard to find. You can just ask for Marvin Jones or ask for MJ. Uh, everybody know me. So everybody knows me. So, uh, you know, just stay up. And, you know, we living in, in trying times. But the thing goes back to what I said. You know, uh, we survivors. So just look to one one thing, well, two things before I leave. One thing, one of my mottos is is that uh, everything happens, you know, uh, for a reason. My wife, she used to say, she used to hate me say that, but you know, everything happened for a reason. Whether good or bad, you have to find the good out of it. 
So, um, you know, just find the good out of, of whatever. And the other thing is that just stay happy because you never know when your last day is on earth. So if it's something that's, that's bothering you, talk about it. If it's something that, that you're arguing about it, squash it, talk about it, and move forward. And just be happy because that's what God put us on earth to be happy, you know. Uh, and, and don't look at uh, Donald Trump got all these millions of dollars, which he does. He do but not. He, but he's not happy. He don't have that money. Yeah, but, but he ain't happy, I put it like that. He not happy. You know, and then you look at, you look at, uh, you know, the, the, the dope boy probably got, you know, all these cars and stuff like that. And he, he not happy looking not over happy. his shoulder. Exactly, exactly. I can, I can go down the highway right now doing 200 miles an hour. Howard Trojan pulled me over. Only thing he can do is give me a ticket for speed. He can't give me a ticket for, you know, having a trunk full of dope money or, or he can't. Guns. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. So, like I say, just live every day happy. You know, whatever makes you happy, you know, just do it. Just don't harm nobody else and don't harm yourself. And again, you know, uh, you know, hey, go Jack State Tiger. <laughs> Diallo. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much, uh, Powerful Voice from a Powerful Man for the people and selected by the people. Now, Marvin, I want to thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric this afternoon. For my listeners, thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Please remember that Black Lives Matter. Listen and protect Black women and children. And the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is to be Black and die. Now, here at the Afrocentric Podcast, we're just civilized people having civilized conversations we'll talk to you guys soon bye-bye all right <laughs> black men ain't never cheated hell no black men the most faithful niggas out here Man, I'm so sick of them lying on us. What, what we cheated on? Shit. Nigga, it's real. Every nigga who saying talk your shit, girl, done went through their phone. Don't worry about it, fuck that. Ladies, stop going through a nigga phone. Them are old hoes. Them hoes are old. Them was the hoes we was trying to fuck before you came along, changed a nigga life. Now we putting you all on social media. The old hoes is jealous. They just want some revenge. It ain't like we fucking with them hoes. They just hate to see you happy. See, I was gonna tell some jokes, but the niggas need me to be their voice. We don't have nobody. <laughs>